0: If you want to talk about Division Three basketball, you've logged on to the right place. Welcome to the Big Show.
1: Ain't no way they can stop me now.
0: Hours we'll cover it all. With regional reports. And interviews with coaches. We'll talk about who's on top. Those surprises. Who's making news in Division Three? It's like a big time decision made on
1: how it's worth it. If all is the easy work is worthless, I work. I have it and no habit, man. I do it on purpose. I push myself to the limit, so my talent is service. So now it's curtains and drapes on anybody who hates disliking what
0: I'm reciting. Biting what I've been writing. I've been dogfighting. You can even join in and chat with us.
1: Like you remember the Titans. and like just I'm young black and rich as good as it gets and giving your point think the same
0: but he ain't seen so sit back and relax and let's talk T3 Hoops. for Hoopsville. Great show. Keep this up. This is a good thing for
1: D3, and I will enjoy listening to the rest of the show. Let's get it started in here. Everybody here, everybody, everybody. Let's get into it. To get it. Get, I'm all get, it I'm all get it started. Get it started. Let's get it started. Let's
0: get it started. Here's your host, Dave let's McHugh. Get let's get it
1: started.
2: Ha. Let's get it started. Welcome into Oopsville. We're back. We are back and on the air.
1: Let's get it started. Here. Not sure
2: the music's going to work. So we're killing that off. But welcome in, everybody. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Appreciate you taking the time on this January evening. Went Flashback City with the show there. Uh, that was our open at least circa 2008. I was reminded of it by Pat Coleman when we were sitting in Vegas. There was some comment, I don't remember what game because it becomes a blur, where we were talking about tournament games and 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 when you want to play and we referenced playing on Thursday night when that was a thing and we both went right into some of the quotes out of that open. And I knew I had to had to do it. I had to find it. And we were able to find it right before the show started. So, awesome. Flashback City there. Um, It also reminded me how I would love to get another one of those opens remade, but I cannot tell you the amount of work it takes. I am your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome into Hoopsville from the NABC WBCA studios. Yes, I am proud to say the NABC and WBCA studios. We have finalized in agreements, whatever, with those two entities once again. And... uh, (laughs) It's awesome. Thank you to those groups. I had a great meeting with the NABC today, had conversations with the WBCA over the last few weeks. We will finalize some more things as we move forward, but we are back. Sorry for the delay. Uh, Some family uh, items, which we will talk about down the road. I might get a little emotional, but uh, we're back on the air, and uh, thanks for tuning in and, and dealing with me with those family issues. Excuse me, that came out of nowhere. Uh, We will talk more about that down the road, and clearly I may not make it through, but you've all been very supportive, and I appreciate it. We have a ton of news to get through. Let's also talk about uh, who's on the show tonight. We will hear from, well, the Top 25 panel. We'll get them reconvened. We'll hear from Pat Coleman. He'll come on and talk about some of the news with me, but he'll join us with the Top 25. Matt Snyder will join us, and Mike Raniak, the former head coach. Well, he is the head coach of the uh, YD3 team uh, in the um, TBT. Uh, we will talk to them about the top twenty-five. Get their takes on the dubious, deep dive and debatable squads, um, and then we'll talk to Glenn Miller, the head coach for uh, St. Joseph's men's basketball team, the number one team in the D3Hoops.com top twenty-five, reaffirmed yet again today. Uh, of course, only in their fourth season. We'll talk about him, the 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 impact. Uh, Calhoun, Jim Calhoun, obviously had on that program and and what he sees for that program as it takes its next evolutionary step with the spotlight now squarely on them. We'll also talk to number four, Christopher Newport, uh, head coach Bill Broderick, which brings up a topic from yesterday. We'll get to it in a moment, but interesting, fascinating, educational finish, let's call it. To the end of the Christopher Newport uh, WNL women's basketball game. Actually, just the end of what we thought was the end of the game in overtime. Proved not to be the end, as they had to play one more overtime because we were educated on some of the rules. We'll talk to him uh, not only about that, but we'll also talk about the season it is because they have played almost all but a handful of games. So we'll talk. About all of that. And then um, we're going to do something new this year on as many shows as we can. We're going to have more of an evergreen segment, something that interests me for some reason, or uh, talking to somebody from Division III's past who may be doing great things, or I've got lots of ideas. Uh, We will talk today with Joe Riley, the head coach of Wesleyan. It's personal, and we'll talk about that coming up. Let's get to the news. I have a long list in front of me. Pat Coleman will join me here in a moment to talk about some of these and react We start with Albion men's basketball as on Saturday, a news made it out that at least 10 of their players were sitting, not playing due to some controversy, disagreement, whatever with their men's basketball coach, Jody May. I'll preface this by saying I know Jody May very well. I know a lot of coaches very well, but I've worked with Jody with a lot of NABC programs. Um... It eventually came out, and I want to thank Tony Paul at the Detroit News for an absolutely outstanding article that I know we retweeted and shared on the socials. Um, basically, it comes down to the players wanting Jody May fired for the alleged use of racial slurs. I, I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but it comes down to 10 players decided not to suit up for Saturday's game, which we point out was an, uh, a day they were also honoring Mike Turner, the former head coach at Albion and his incredible 500-some-odd win uh, career. Uh, they chose not to play in the game against and left basically six or seven freshmen to play that game. Um, reportedly, according to Tony Paul's, uh, article, which he gets information primarily from team members, but he does get a little bit of information from the school itself. Uh, back in late December, there was a practice that Jody May apparently kicked a player out of, um, for using some racial slur. It's not specifically stated here where you can read between the lines, when he did so, some players asked at different times why they kick, he kicked that player out. And instead of just stating that he used a slur, reportedly May repeated the slur and repeated it multiple times. Um, that obviously didn't go well. Um... To paraphrase what I believe is a player in his notes, I was shocked that a man in his position didn't know what to do after saying the most derogatory, disrespectful, and belittling words. I should point out um, they asked him uh, eventually to apologize. This article is very in-depth, and he did, but while at the same time pointing out how the player had done wrong, um, they basically argued against it, said they didn't like that this is how it was being handled, Um, The assistant coach took over for a couple of games um, right before the new year. Uh, As they were returning from the second game, uh, it was stated that they wanted uh, Frisbee, that's who the coach is, by the way, to take over for the rest of the season. He then, Frisbee, informed the team that after those two games, which were Worcester and Carnegie Mellon, that May would return. Well, the team didn't like that. Um, Frisbee told that May would return to practice on on Jan 1. Players considered the decision a slap in the face. Our voices were not heard or considered in this decision. He was suspended for less days than the amount of time that he had said the racial slur, i.e. he had been less times than quote-unquote four times he had said the slur. Um, It came to a head last Wednesday before a team's road trip to Calvin, uh, they participated in a two hour meeting with the interim, head coach, or, he, interim president at Albion and the dean of students. Those individuals told the players in that meeting, um, asked the players in the meeting, I'm uh, uh, sorry, according to the players in the meeting, asked the team to let May address them after the meeting, which May did. He apologized again, after which the meeting was adjourned. Uh, Frisbee coached the game against. Calvin Saturday May was on the bench mainly for that uh, gymnasium renaming to Mike Turner and that he would take over as of today full duties the players were not happy with that um, there has been a statement. I am quickly going, bear with me, I am quickly going to something that Ryan Scott shared to make it easier here. Albion's president released a, le- a letter today, this is January 9th, addressing the incident, basically saying that one of the trustees, Michael Williams, an African-American alum and Albion Hall of fame basketball player, is mediating between the team and the administration. Seems like they've got a path to work it out. Uh, whether it does work out, obviously, will be determined. So, interesting news, Al- Albion. It It... We'll talk to Pat a little bit about this. It kind of goes back to the Benedictine situation over the summer. We'll get to that. I've got so much news. I'm not trying to shortchange this, but I want to talk to Pat more about it in a minute. Uh, moving on to Concordia of Chicago. Their coach, last we checked, is still under suspension due to a hard practice. And I'm using that term, and it's probably light in terms of that. Apparently, the, the, the school has stated, the AD has stated that players broke curfew on their road trip to the West Coast over the holidays, and as a result, a very aggressive practice was conducted. Five players ended up in the hospital. As a result of that, they have missed at least two games, um, and the coach is under suspension there. Sorry, I don't have the coach name in front of me because I, I, I misplaced the note, and it's not not to, to, to diminish it. I just I'm running around here. And again, we'll talk to Pat about this. Um, And obviously, there's outcry there. There are some who are defending the coach. Listen, there's accountability on teams. I will totally endorse that. But I don't know if accountability means you send five players to the hospital because your practice was too hard. There's still more details about that still to come. We'll cross that line. Now let's back up into the Christopher Newport, Washington, and Lee finish last night. Game went to overtime. Apparently, a lot of fouls were being called. I lost track after 60. Um, at the Late in the first overtime, Christopher Newport was clearly arguing some foul while the game was tied, I believe, at 91-91. Christopher Newport subsequently makes a basket with like a second and a half on the clock. W. throws in a heave, can't throw up the shot. It actually barely missed going in, and it looked like Christopher Newport had won 93-91. Well, Bill Broderick, the head coach, who we will talk to shortly, was clearly perturbed about something. And the broadcasters for WNL had mentioned in that pre-basket, winning, quote-unquote, winning basket moment, they thought Broderick was close to getting a technical foul in that moment. He did not. You can see him on camera yelling at the officials as they're leaving the court I thought I saw him bring his hand to his ear, as in I'm going to call, and I'm going to use my own words here, you're a signer or somebody to complain about you. Now, we cannot hear any audio from the floor. Uh, Whatever was said, and according to sources that I have talked to, whatever was said was enough not to ignore by the officials as they're leaving the floor to warrant them, calling a technical foul. Now, please understand that a technical foul can be called at the conclusion of a game and free throws can be shot. I will refer to an email I got today. Um, Sorry, bear with me. Misplaced it. Uh, Here it is. This is the official statement, basically, from the Secretary Rules Editor for division or for NCAA Women's Basketball. Following the end of the first overtime, Christopher, Christopher Newport leading 93-91, and before the officials left the visual confines of the playing court, the CNU head coach was assessed a technical foul for misconduct. Under Rule 2-4.3, the officials' jurisdiction does not end until they leave the visual confines of the playing court. Because the officials had not left the visual confines, they may still... Uh, they may still penalize any infraction of the playing rules. Under Rule 5 uh, a 5-7.6-a, 576A, the free throws must be attempted to determine whether the game is over or when the both free throws are made, the game would proceed to a second overtime. We should point out, this took place as the handshake line was starting for this. They never actually really got it underway. Once the last free... Th- and this is where it gets wonky. So the two free throws take place, okay? We've called a timeout. Free throws take place. It ties the game. WNL hits both free throws. It's 93-93 now, supposedly the end of the overtime. As things are being worked out, in after that second free throw has taken place, Broderick is still... Yelling at officials, he's yelling at WNL's coach, it looked like at one point, I'm not sure why, and others. Again, we cannot hear anything, and I'm looking forward to talking to Bill about this later. I would argue, based on at least mannerisms, the officials gave a long leash before finally calling a second technical on Broderick. And this is where things get wilder. WNL shoots those free throws and takes a two-point lead. The question becomes, did those free throws take place in the first overtime and thus the game is over? Or what? I will continue the note I got from the Rules Secretary. Um, oh, lost here we go. Once the last free throw ended, the score tied. The game will proceed to the second overtime. When CNU head coach was again assessed a technical foul for misconduct, the officials correctly under rule 5-7.6 administered the technical foul penalty as part of the second overtime by awarding WNL two free throws and the ball at the division line opposite the scores table. In other words, no jump ball, WNL gets the ball. Here's the key. Once that second free throw from the first technical was was hit, tied the game, that ended overtime we now are officially into second overtime. If Broderick had been assessed back-to-back technicals before that second free throw was done, at any point between the first whistle and that second free throw hitting, they would have been assessed to the overtime, the first one, and the game would have ended there. So (laughs) CNU escapes here because there's a delay between the second free throw being made and Bill Broderick picking up the second tech which means two free throws were shot, but they go to the second overtime. Christopher Newport ends up winning the game. Wild and wacky. We'll talk to Pat more about that in a moment. We'll talk to Bill Broderick about that as well. Another quick note, Rhodes Women's Basketball in December decided to shut down their season, not having enough healthy players. Their head coach, within a week, announced that he's retiring. By the way, did we mention the NEAC and the UEC have decided to merge starting next academic year? We broke that news on the way back from Maine our second time. Certainly changed that trip. Uh, but the Northeast Conference and the, four, uh, the NEAC, I'm sorry, and the CSAC, I misspoke. The NEAC, which is now the UEA, UEC, and the CSAC are merging. It is a convenience thing. There's clearly hedging bets on whether schools are going to be closing. It's a super conference. We'll get a quick thought from Pat on that. There are other schools changing conferences. Um, the Basically, the um, GNAC, not the GNAC, um, Oh, what is it? I just blanked on it. Uh, Eastern Nazarene's conference is falling apart, as we've all known. It's basically dying now. Uh, it'll be an e only conference. ECFC and football is basically dying because Eastern Nazarene announced today. They are going to the NAC, something we've heard about for a number of, uh, of months, even years. And finally came through Ryan Kane, head coach at Rippon AD there as well. Well, now he'll be the new head coach at Carthage starting April one. He'll finish out, uh, coaching Kane, uh, K- coaching Rippon, uh, the rest of the season, the NCAA con conference, uh, Convention's coming up. I've run out of time. We'll talk about that. There's an important rule about 114 days for sports coming up. We will talk about that later. Uh, Again, thanks to the NABC and WBCA. Uh, What else? Uh, And there was something else. Uh, Oh, our schedule. Thursday's show will air at um, 7 o'clock. I'm sorry, 1 o'clock Thursday. 1 o'clock Thursday. I apologize for bouncing around here. 1 o'clock on Thursday is when we will air that. That is coming up. Did you all follow? Figure that out? Yeah, a lot of news. Um and I'm I'm literally going to jump right into the next segment. Because there is so much darn stuff going on and we have so much to discuss that joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville hotline is uh, Mr. Pat Coleman, who is joining us via Zoom. Sir, good to see you. Hope you are well. I know you can't technically see me. I apologize. It's the technical gremlins. But uh, hello, how are you?
3: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
2: Uh, Not bad, not bad. We're we're, we're here. And as much as I thought I could get all that news done in 15 minutes, no chance in god awful hell. Good
3: <laughs> it's been that kind of a uh, couple of months, hasn't it uh it just just has. kind of craziness. I don't know where we should start, but I think we should start with Albion uh that seems reasonable if nothing else, we're gonna go alphabetically right
2: there we go. I like how you thought that's kind of how my list ended up too um all right, so I'm gonna actually go back to the Benedictine case on you if you don't mind, sure uh over the off season um Benedictine. Had a similar situation, though, though admittedly different, handled it differently. Um, yeah, we all know, and to paraphrase Ryan Scott, um, the third rail is certainly anything racial. And for this is where the Ryan Scott part comes in, and I hope he doesn't mind me kind of paraphrasing him here. He, he tweeted this out on on Twitter: the a white middle aged male is going to have trouble relating sometimes to a younger African-American or any racial group. And sometimes how to handle those difficult situations, conversations, etc., doesn't always go well.
3: Yeah, Dave, and I would say too, I mean, even to put a, a more fine point on it, as a middle-aged Midwestern male, right? Um, I think the Midwest maybe has a little part to do with it. It's, you know, if you live in a city where you have, you know, just more uh, diversity around you and that sort of thing. Maybe you feel differently. I just, here's the thing. And I think we said this, you know, when uh, Keith Bunkenberg uh, went into the same issues, it's like, there are words that you just do not say, right? I don't care if you're quoting somebody, I don't care who you think you are or how, man, here's how out of date I am. I would say hip, how hip you think you are, which is totally the wrong word. Anyway, Um, you just, You never say that. You never say the N-word. And it's just, mm. you know, obviously we're not in possession of of all the facts on it necessarily. And it does seem like Albion is doing some due diligence with Coach May. And here's the thing that makes this difficult for us, Dave, is, well, I think it was the same with Coach Bunkenberg. But I feel like we think, like, uh, you know, Coach May is a a friend of the show and a friend of D3Hoops.com. It makes it really difficult to... uh, you know, to kind of sit here in judgment on it. But man, you just do not do the things that it is said that he has done. And man, it just, it's just, uh, I don't, coming back from this would be very interesting. And, you know, Dave, just to add to all of this, of course, the fact that the uh, players, uh, you know, chose their opportunity to protest this on the day in which uh, former, Coach Mike Turner is getting his name on the floor. It's a big celebration at the school uh with, you know, uh, former players of Coach Turner's who are coaching high schools. They have their teams there to, you know, participate in this big, long celebration. And all of this hangs over it as well. But, you know, that's the, I'm not faulting those players. That's the time you have to make your statement is when people are watching and when people are listening, it's just a, uh, it's just, wow, just a whole bunch of craziness there. And, um, I hope that, uh, I hope that everybody is able to come to some sort of agreement and, and people can be satisfied with whatever does ultimately take place. I know that, you know, I know that I would not want to be that administration. Let's put it that way.
2: No, no, absolutely agree with you. Um, And then again, I think what I want to point out is here's how I saw the differences in the two situations between Bunkenberg, who also was a friend of the show, certainly, uh, and Jody May's situation. Bunkenberg, according to reports, a player who came in who I don't think got a lot of playing time, was a younger brother, I think, of another player, if memory serves, came in basically with a boombox, for lack of a better description. (laughs) I realize boomboxes don't technically exist. They're making a comeback.
3: Look who's dating himself. To. Oh,
2: absolutely. Go. Knew it when I said it. Um, but basically blaring music that had a lot of slurs in it from what the reports were. And bunk basically said, listen, we have a rule. We don't allow that out. And in some manner, use the word to describe whether it was, I can't remember if it was in the fact or after the fact, describe the music that was being said and that got him in trouble and he got axed. Jody May, from a corner reports, axed told someone to leave a practice for using a slur themselves. And then, when asked why he kicked the player out, repeated the statement that the person said using that slur repetitively. So he didn't use it himself. And, and what I mean, I'm trying to be careful here. I'm what I'm trying to say is he didn't use it as a train of thought. He used it as This is what was said. It doesn't make it right. Nope. I just think that apparently is a difference in the two cases on why maybe, maybe the schools are handling it differently. I'm, I'm completely guessing. I've not talked to Bunkenberg, never had a chance to follow up with him, and I've not had a chance to talk to Jody May. Neither of them have returned calls and that's their prerogative. I'm just trying to see why there might be a difference in this because I really don't know otherwise.
3: Yeah, Dave. I mean, I have other thoughts too, but I'm just uh, I'm I've reached I've reached the point at which I am willing to speculate, and I'm not willing to go any further. Let's put it yeah. That no,
2: way. I agree, and and, and who knows? They're, they're, yeah, exactly. And again, I agree with you. That was the player's only opportunity to make a statement, because if they said, "Okay, we'll wait for Mike Turner's celebration, we'll do it next Wednesday," right? He kind of lost the opportunity. It, it's passed. Yeah. Um, So I understand it, despite it being an unfortunate situation. Uh, Lots of news to come with that. I'm sure we'll learn more. Let's pivot to Concordia, Chicago. Wow. I I was actually flabbergasted there were anybody on Twitter trying to defend the idea that you send five people to a hospital on a hard practice. I'm all about discipline, Pat. I'm all about you make sure people... we, We have a tournament in Las Vegas. You and I fully know there are curfews and rules in place to make sure that you follow. And if you don't... There are going to be consequences, sure. but five in a hospital. I understand there are some who think he's a great coach and couldn't believe he did it, but something happened.
3: Right. Um, I'm going to speak for a moment as a former distance runner. I think probably I'm a former distance runner at this point or a uh, uh, someone who might once again be a distance runner. These are the sorts of... Um, injuries is not really the right word, right? The sorts of ailments and the sorts of results in these individual student athletes are what you see with uh, some really extreme distance running. Just a lot of, uh, you know, a, a lot of strain being put on people's bodies. Dave, I agree should be consequences. I don't think consequences should be physical. Uh, you want to talk about consequences in playing time or consequences in who knows what, right. But, you know, and I. And I would say even this, Dave, I mean, I'm a guy who played basketball in the 80s. Um, You know, a hard practice would be, I don't know, some number of suicides up and down the floor, right? I think we all probably have experiences like that back in our youth, youth, in our, in our younger years. Um, But, you know, that there's a difference between a physical practice, um, you know, a conditioning practice, whatever, and a. And what it looks like happened here. And yeah. uh, I just want to applaud the Chicago Tribune reporting for doing some really good work on this and giving us you know, some actual information to go with here.
2: Yeah, good point. Um, I, I have read part of that article. The first one I got was out of the CBS affiliate, I think. Uh, yeah. I've I started to read the Tribune article and then had to bounce somewhere and, and forgot to come back to it. Um, I'll say this from a former college athlete myself, whether I look at it or not. I vividly remember a practice my junior year in the throws of the heat in summer, in preseason, two-a-days with an extra third practice doing something lighter, obviously, in the evenings, in Baltimore. We were in the middle of practice, Now I was lucky, I'm a goalie, so we had our <laughs> own water bottles and we had our own schedule, but our the rest of the team was out there running real hard one day, mid-afternoon, it was not the cool part of the day, and there hadn't this particular coach who was becoming the new head coach. He was transitioning from head coach to a head assistant coach, to a head coach. The old head coach was transitioning to being only the lacrosse coach at the, uh, from then on. Didn't do a lot of water breaks. And it was something that obviously in the nineties we were kind of used to, but it was pretty hot and humid. I always felt like I was out of shape when I got down to Baltimore, even though I spent the entire summer doing nothing but being in shape and I remember watching my teammates running and all of a sudden, within seconds, three-quarters of the team seized up. Everybody cramped. At the time, running that hard, very common. We were used to that. We were understood to be drilled into the ground to some degree. But the, the long story of that was he wasn't giving us enough water breaks, maybe one an hour at, at the most. The athletics director at the time absolutely reamed him up and down. The athletic trainer reamed him up and down. They obviously had to fix some things at the dining hall too because we, we complained about not having enough fruit there. And okay. we had a we had mandated water breaks every 30 minutes at the latest, and an AT of some kind was on hand for at least two weeks after that, every single practice. That was the 90s, Pat.
3: Yeah. Right. I mean, and you know, so so many things have been done since then, right? Right. You think about the way I'm going to come from the football perspective. You know that's what I'm going to do, and then Absolutely. over in football world, reference. in football world, I'm going to use baseball references. But here on Hoopsville, I'm going to use football references. Say, you, that, you know, these things are mandated now, right? right. That you uh, about how much water you know someone needs to have, how much opportunity for water. Uh, right, the conference out here, the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, with their outdoor sports, whether it's in the spring or in the fall, if that wet bulb temperature reaches a certain you know, a certain temperature, then you are not to have a contest. You are not to practice uh, that sort of thing. We have come such a long way in our understanding of human physiology, frankly. Heck, soccer Um,
2: games now have stoppages in the middle of them at the water bulb is a certain temperature. And trust me, the weather that day at practice, the the water, (laughs) that bulb temperature was way higher than what we stop at for games now.
3: I'm sure. Well, you're, you're, talking about Baltimore and maybe people do not understand the humidity oh. in the mid Atlantic as a DC guy. Uh, I can, I can speak for that when you're talking about preseason practice in mid August, that's a, that's a bitch and a half, uh, to put it lightly. Yeah, so I totally Bay understand
2: is not fun. <laughs> it just, just pours water into the region. It's uh, crazy. What else, so we'll what else do that's... we have to tackle? <laughs> right. Uh, we'll see where that all end. Yeah. I wasn't even wearing pads. Uh we'll see yeah. where that all goes. I don't know if you want to tackle any of the other things we talked about. Obviously, there's a huge merger between the NEAC and the CSAC once I my brain woke up. Um
3: NEAC is the United East now. Yeah, um, I still call it the NEAC. <clears throat> you're almost you're right. fully the there. Nah, I mean we haven't we have some time to come back to that. And I'm really interested to yeah. see what Bill Broderick has to say yep. about the craziness down at WNL yesterday for his CNU women's team. Um but uh
2: yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I I think the merger is fascinating. We we have time to dive into that one. Um, and again, I do want to hear from Bill Broderick um, coming up here later in the show. We're looking forward to having him. Anything else hit you before we transition? We'll take a break and we'll, we'll do top twenty five. You're joining us for that, which I'm thrilled about. But any other anything else kind of uh, jump out at you news wise? Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll talk top twenty five here in a bit.
3: Uh, you mentioned uh, quickly the Rose Holman uh, women canceling their season. That was not the only program that ended up doing so this year as well. Um, So I find that kind of interesting coming out of COVID so many places across multiple sports in division three. We have talked about there being a glut of eligibility among student athletes. And yet even so at um, at Rose Holman and then at, you know, basically a, a school at the opposite end of the spectrum in you know a state school in New York, having the same sort of issues, right? So I can see where you know if you haven't done a great job recruiting, or if you haven't done a great job retaining your players at a an elite engineering institution like Rose Holman, you might have some trouble fielding a team if you didn't have enough student athletes. Um, I just find that kind of puzzling in this day and age, though. I would have thought that uh, we'd have a couple years where we wouldn't have these kind of issues.
2: I agree with you. By the way, I may have said Rhodes earlier. I apologize. It was Rose Holman.
3: I think you said it correctly. I Okay. Or, I don't
2: remember. I, I know what my note in front of me says, but I in my head, I've, I feel like I may have said something else. Um, And, and just not that it relates to Division three, but uh, UConn women recently. Right, not having enough scholarship athletes to field a team. Right, they needed seven by rule, and they didn't right. have enough. Uh, not Not that they're apples and apples. There's lots of different reasons, but there has been some of this – percolating in the in the sport and it's kind of surprising yeah.
3: it's just surprised that suny purchase couldn't yeah this is the thing when you and i'm i'm just going to generalize for a second right if, if you don't have full-time coaches or enough full-time coaches out there beating the pavement for kids or whatever whether you are an elite institution of some form or another or you know a school like suny purchase that has you know, something like ten thousand uh undergraduates something like that right. oh maybe not I've, i'm overestimating suny purchase but you get the idea. I guess it can happen anywhere.
2: Actually, I'll ask you this question, Travis John, on our YouTube channel. I, I know what the answer is going to be, but I think it's a good one. He says, recent talk about Division One expanding the tournament Ugh. Um, would would also be considered by Division 3 I'll say this. I hope not. Um, well, I mean, I don't mean that from a – I don't want to see more teams make it. I just mean we don't have the money, and, Lord, that could get out of control. <laughs>
3: Right. I mean, we, um, yeah, at the division three level, we're pretty hamstrung in terms of the budget, right? It's 3.18% of the entire NCA budget. And that is by the NCA constitution. And that we had recently had an opportunity to revisit that. And we're not, we were not able to get more funding. Um, you know, when I'm talking about NCA division three. So I feel like there are places that, uh, you know, where tournaments are reaching their caps and frankly, you know I think actually we are probably owed something like maybe 68 women's basketball. I think uh, you're right, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to do math on the computer as I'm talking to you and it's not Well, and the famous upgrade. ones
2: football it deserves what 35 36. Yeah,
3: exactly. We're we're pretty close to maybe 67 or 68 women's uh, teams that should get in the tournament. But we have plenty of at large access, you know, yeah. generally it's anywhere between 19 and 21 or 22 at large teams. I feel like that's pretty decent. Um, Obviously like to see everybody get that one tournament bid for every 6.5 schools that offers the sport. That would be cool. But you know, there are, there are other fish that could be fried. I'm not sure basketball is the going to be at the front of the line when we talk about expanding playoffs.
2: I agree with you. Um, well, that was a much longer block than I intended, but uh, we meant to get a break in between, but there's just too much to talk about. Plus, we ran the old school open, so, you know, had some fun with that. All right. Um, I, I will take a break. Pat's going to join us again with the Top 25 group. We'll talk about the men's Top 25 that came out. Much more, and again, a reminder, uh, St. Joe's men's coach and Bill Broderick from Christopher Newport and Joe Riley from Wesleyan. Still ahead, you're listening to So Pat will join us with everybody else coming up here in a bit.
4: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer, at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. It starts right when you hit the court you imagine your finest
5: moment the game-winning shot that gets you to the dance a monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court
0: More schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
6: It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can.
7: To get a friend home safe.
6: To never blame the victim. It's on us to stand
8: up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties.
1: It's on us. To be more than just a bystander.
8: To
5: step up and say something. It's on us. All of us. To To stop stop sexual assault. assault.
7: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
2: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Jam packed already. We're rolling along. If you've got questions for us, by the way, we forgot to mention that earlier. You can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville. Yeah, we're still on Twitter because it still works for us. At D3 Hoops, or use the hashtag Hoopsville or D3 Hoops. You can also email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. That works. I tested it, it works. Hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also uh, email us. Oh, I didn't mention that. Where's the other one? Oh, Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Live simulcasting the show on Facebook. Thanks for those who are tuning in there, including my aunt, who loves to watch us on Facebook. Uh, and also on YouTube. We're live simulcasting the show there as well. Um, top 25 came out today. The latest and greatest, as it were, of that um, version of the Poll. I've lost track. I think we're at week five. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops for the Hotline to discuss all of that. It's one of our panels. It is uh, above me if you're watching us. Pat Coleman rejoins us. Um, Matt Snyder joining us once again along him. And then Mike Raniak joins us uh, with sporting the Hardy strong jersey. Sir, you got to get a jersey genius is what I'm telling you. Um, I have no product placement with that, but that's how we hang our jerseys. I'm just saying, pretty cool product. You ought to give it a whirl.
6: I'll ask Santa for it next year.
2: Oh, no. Before next year, sir. Before. (laughs) Anyway. Rainiac joining us. I want to thank Bob Quillman, uh, Ryan Winnable, and Ryan Scott, who are always – ready to do this with us as well, just unable to join us uh, today. Uh, Gentlemen, uh, first and foremost, we haven't had a chance to talk Top 25 or D3 Hoops, so I want to kind of go around the horn. What your thoughts are really up until this point of the season? Pat, we'll start with you since uh, you have seniority. Uh, Your thoughts on things. I know you are a little bit into football, but you caught up a little bit in Vegas with me.
3: This is crazy. It's a crazy year to be a uh, D3Hoops.com Top 25 voter in men's basketball um i i don't and i also i want to ask the rest of the panel i don't think i've ever done one of these segments before is is that correct
6: i, I, think I thought you had i i've been with bob i don't think i've had uh, i've had
3: the pleasure of, of debating with, with you pat so i'm looking forward to this well um uh we'll see we'll see how this goes um Yeah, it's it's just been a crazy year. Uh, I know that I'm at the point where I'm almost just remaking my entire ballot every week, other than maybe the (laughs) top two or three teams. Um, So that uh, that can only mean we're having as fun a season in men's basketball as we did in Division three football. And it was pretty darn fun over there.
2: No, good point. Uh, It's been fun. Uh, Snyder, uh, your thoughts on things at this juncture.
8: Yeah, very similar to Pat. I feel like week to week, uh, there's a team I'm considering for the top 15. And then the next week, I think they're maybe not in my top 35 a- and it's really hard to know. And I look back at the results and I'm, you know, it's just because of a loss to a, a maybe a questionable team here or an o- overtime win, or it, it, there seems to be so many teams bunched between even number 10 and number 40, um, sometimes I feel like I'm drawing names. I'm not doing that, but it almost feels like that's kind of what I'm doing out here.
2: I I can understand uh, that. No, it's, yeah, there's times I do feel like I'm like, is there somebody else? Um, Rainiac, your thoughts, sir, as a, especially as a former coach in this division,
6: I, I think, you know, like every week I, I think I have like a top two, and then everybody this weekend like in my top 10 lost so like i was like okay what do we do here um i think a lot of it is like as i was kind of preparing and kind of looking at stat stuff um a lot of teams have a lot of comparable stats because of who they played and inflated schedules and you know I, i think a lot of we're dealing with a lot of that right now as we're entering conference play where the Part of the the matter is right now, um, whereas teams that were like twelve and zero and with all these great stats, like all of a sudden they enter conference play and they look like a completely different team. So like I I think a lot of that's going on, um, but basically like I'm I'm a Matt and Pat. It's been like a crapshoot every week, you know, outside of like like one or two teams, and you're like, all right, well they're maybe known, but the rest is like you're good and so are you and. So are you numbers twenty six through whatever? So it's it's pretty been pretty difficult.
0: No, I agree.
2: Um, we've talked a lot about um, the, the, not um, parity, parity in Division three men's basketball. Um, and I remember talking to somebody recently that even last year I think we didn't see it because of how great Randolph Macon was and really how good Marietta was, uh, and maybe Christopher Newport. That the rest of the division was. Pretty good, but no one was great. I think we're now at that, everyone's pretty good. No one's great. And I think it makes voting for the top 25 exponentially more difficult. Um, than it has been. I'm I'm actually pulling up my vote from today along with all the paperwork that goes with it. To get ready for the rec- next part, we have our debatable, our dubious, and our deep dive selections. Mainly I'm going to hear from these three unless I have something to, to chime in about it. Deep dive is a team that is barely getting any votes or no votes at all that maybe we're considering or should be considered. A debatable team is really anybody who's in the top 25 that just up for a good debate. Um, somebody we want to discuss. Um, and then the uh, dubious is one that our respective individuals feel is tad high, maybe way too high. Maybe shouldn't even be voted on period in our top 25. We'll go in reverse order and start. Well, let's, let's go with our, our deep dive. I kind of like starting with that one, starting on, on something where we're shining a, a good light on somebody. Raniac, we'll start with you. Give me your, your deep dive selection for the day.
6: Yeah. And I, and I think like, and, and I'm kind of, uh, I'm interested like everybody's take on this. Um, I, I chose Catholic. Um, they jumped into the, they jumped in this week. I, I think the week prior, like it's almost like them and NYU almost switched spots in, in our, in our polls um, because they're very similar resumes. Um, I think, you know, if you look at Catholic and, kind of what they've done, 13 and 0, really the only victory, uh, in, in my opinion, that's really kind of got them on the radar is that Mary Washington victory, plus 10. Um, you know, Scranton, which has been a perennial power in that with Coach Danzig, they beat them by 21. I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. I, I think they – not to put the – I'm going to jinx them right now, but, like, literally they could run the table. Um, if I'm looking at the makeup of their team, they, they're they led by two juniors and a soft, um, which if you – kind of going back the time, Coach Kelly got hired right before COVID. So these are his first class rolling through. So they've been in the culture of the program for a couple of years. Um, I, I think when, when you're looking at, do they do anything great? Nah. But like what they do do really well is they're holding like three point percentage defense, which is now all the talk of time. Everybody wants to shoot threes, blah, blah, blah. Um, like they're holding teams to like 18% or 20%, which is that's going to make you win games mean um, their field goal their defense is where they win money uh, but but as far as offense assists rebounds are just kind of right there but defense travels yeah. so like i really believe that they could potentially like make a run and, like we could be talking with them in a couple months from now still being undefeated um but i wonder how that will play out in a national scheme when you're going up against the powerhouses of of the of the of the world, and I'm glad to see them kind of start to get in the top twenty-five, I'm interested to see everybody's take on that.
2: Well, real quick, Pat, I just want to point out, Mike, good job of making sure to do nice by Pat. Um, <laughs> you know, being, being I didn't the think about uh, that. owner of the D3Hoops websites and a Catholic grad getting some love from the alumni. It's well played. It's well played, sir. I just want to
6: Now that you do say that, like he's like, weren't they erecting a statue or he was like speaking on campus and everything the other, the other virtually.
3: Uh, I was on a, a, a Catholic U alumni podcast just last week. That is true. Right. We go. Well, one of the reasons I just wanted to speak next was i just wanted to say how great it is to have somebody who takes a completely different look at this sort of thing right yeah. now. You know, Matt is going to, which direction is Matt is Matt that's over there. He's over um, to your, uh, your right. Okay, great. Uh, that's that way. I hope it's yes. that way on my screen. Um, you know, Matt's going to take it from a, 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 certain perspective. Mike takes it from a completely different perspective, which is why it's good to have all of these different kinds yeah. of perspectives to have the media, to have the SIDs, <laughs> to have the coaches on this panel. Uh, I, I really appreciate it as uh, to talk about Catholic's resume, I did not vote for Catholic until this week. Basically, you look at it, you know, before they played Mary Washington was the best team they played. Maybe Stevenson. Was it maybe Messiah? Fair, You yeah. know, uh, there's really wasn't there really wasn't anybody to write home about Gallaudet, Shenandoah, Moravian, Mount Aloysius, for goodness sake. um, You know, it's just not, you know, you get you can get to 11 and 0. Uh, by January 1st without necessarily playing at anybody. And and that's what the Cardinals did. Um, and I kind of looked at that and I thought, well, you know, they're gonna they're gonna play at Mary Washington. Mary Washington's pretty decent. Um and that's on the road uh, and it's coming off of a holiday break of some sort anyway. And then they're gonna play Scranton. And usually Catholic has trouble with Scranton on the road, but sometimes, you know, you might have trouble with Scranton at home as well. So I was basically looking at those back to back games and said, I'll revisit them after this. And the same way I felt about NYU, frankly, uh, for most of the season up until uh, they played at Roanoke. So I could totally see why people would be dubious on them. Um, you know, I don't know that uh, I don't know that they'll run the table in the landmark. Sometimes it's hard to go on the road to Susquehanna. Sometimes it's hard to go to Scranton. Hell, it might be hard to play Goucher at the Palestra. Who even knows at this point? Um, I'm saying that to be nice to Dave. Yes, but, you
8: are.
3: <laughs> uh, Yes, yes. I it's good. It's good to see. I, I would say this too about Aaron Kelly. Kelly is a '06 grad of Catholic, which means yes. this is the class that was recruited on the strength of that 2001 national championship. takes a little while. Your your class is already in the in the barn, basically by mid March or the end of March, when that uh, walnut and bronze is hoisted. And it's a whole, another whole year. He's a guy who you know understood what that legacy was um, as a player even if they couldn't get anywhere near, you know, repeating something like that. Um, So I think he understands what it's like to do that. And I, I'm just glad to see a fellow Catholic U alum be successful in any walk of life.
2: No, I agree with you. Uh, Just a quick note, Matt, just so uh, I can get this one before I forget it. There was an individual who saw them recently, who I know has seen a lot of basketball and used to see a lot of Catholic uh man, they look terrific. Best team I've seen this year. Note. Uh he says better than Randolph Macon and Hamden Sydney by a good bit, albeit it was one game. Um Hafemeister tore us up for for 40 minutes. Well coached. He and we talked about it later. Admittedly, I think they caught Randolph Macon on a bad night on a bad stretch i think macon has turned things around i don't think that game plays out the same but that's kind of where i was i was voting for him pre-christmas that's when i first started venturing it i got some weird vibe from a catholic alum while i was in vegas it was kind of strange about that vote so i removed him from my top 25 when i got back i'm kidding that's not why i was trying to get other teams in but that win over mary washington stood out to me and that's why i put him back in matt your your thoughts
8: i just for me on catholic um I, they didn't make my ballot. They were my number 26 team. So if I had one additional spot, I would have put them in. So I'm, I was right there debating myself, you know, are they in, are they out for me? Um, you know, Mary Washington, Scranton wins are very good. I think Scranton, again, is probably the only, uh, well, not only good team, but the best team remaining on their schedule as well. So I don't think they'll have too many uh, additional opportunities to impress us unless they just lay the wood on teams. Um,
2: Absolutely do, agree with you. Yeah.
8: Do, do you want me to go ahead with my deep dive yeah. team, Dave? Or, go okay. for it. Um. So I want to take a look at St. Mary's, Minnesota. And um, they're, I think, a, a very deep dive at this point. I don't think they're rankable right now. They're sitting at seven and five, I think. But um, right now, they might be playing as good as just about anyone. Uh, so they, are, uh, they had a one and four start to the season. But since then, they've won six out of seven, including a win over St. John's, a win over UW lacrosse, a win over North Park. Those three teams have been in or around the pole in the last several weeks. And then they have a win over Carlton, who maybe deserves their own deep dive segment here um, in the coming weeks, if they can keep up doing what they're doing. Um, Like I said, I don't think that St. Mary's is rankable. Um, They're barely above 500. But if they keep rolling through Mayak play like they have been the last few uh, games, weeks now, last six games, By the end of the season, um, I think we might be talking about them as a top 25 team, uh, especially the level of impressive whims they put together. Those are some top 25 teams. We just talked about Catholic doesn't have as good of wins as they've had in the last six games. So um, really interesting. I don't know what to make of them. I honestly haven't seen them play very much myself, uh, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on them. They haven't even really been on my watch list until recently but they're doing some interesting things over there at St. Mary's. So I'm going to keep an eye on them as we go forward.
3: We certainly have like no choice, but to keep an eye on them over the last couple of weeks, right? You, you win at lacrosse, you win at North right. park. Lacrosse is basically on everyone's ballot at that point, And North park was on a, a few ballots as well. Um, those are two really impressive wins. And you mentioned the Carlton win. Um, so, you know, Dave and I, um, or maybe it was Gordon and I on a broadcast talked about in the MIAC. And this is a little more on the women's side because they have just three non-conference games to play oh, with. But
2: it was you and you know, it was all of us.
3: It wasn't all of us. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so as At a, uh, as point a or another, as a men's team in the MIAC, you have five non-conference games. And so St. Mary's played Finlandia and crown. That's not, uh, those are, you know, Those are teams that I just automatically ignore. Like I ignore most of NYU's (laughs) non-conference schedule. Uh, They played, they played Augustana. It's the wrong year to play Augustana, obviously that you can't fault them for that. Yeah. Uh, But then again, it turned out to be the right year to play North Park. um, And it's always pretty much a good year to play UW lacrosse. So kind of a mixed bag in that non-conference schedule, but uh, um, right. Raheem Anthony, when he came to the D3 Hoops Classic in 21, Dave, he had, did he had just transferred from somewhere? Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's. Yeah, that um, sounds right to me. And, and now, obviously, clearly just uh, super locked in for the Cardinals. St. Mary's, and this is where my dad went to school. St. Mary's has not been super successful in athletics pretty much as a whole. Um, so I I just enjoy. Anytime my dad wants to talk to me about uh, St. Mary's uh, men's basketball, that there's something that's not negative that we could talk about. And there's definitely some positive things going on down in Winona right now. Yeah. Pat, who's your deep dive? My deep dive is Western Connecticut. I love it. I added them uh, to my poll this week. They're super deep, right? This is one of those teams that benefited by losing a game. They moved up yes. on on, on uh, people's ballots because they lost well at Keene State, lost in overtime. Um, I had originally just kind of kept an eye on Western Connecticut because I got kind of a strange email in my inbox a couple weeks ago, uh, which was a Western Connecticut news release, which said, despite beating SUNY Maritime 110 to 52 or whatever it was uh, <laughs> this past week, Western Connecticut remained at two votes in the D three hoops.com top 25. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I emailed Scott Ames back. So I don't do this very often, but I said, despite is a really interesting word to use in that situation, <laughs> isn't it? And he said, yeah, basically, um, you know, basically people have been asking, you know, why aren't they ranked? Why aren't they ranked? And they were 10 to no at the time uh, because, uh bad year or bad couple of years to play Springfield. John Jay yeah. two and eleven. Elms is one and twelve. York of New York is three and eleven. St. Joe's of Brooklyn is, is three one. and ten. It's just it's pretty brutal. About pretty half brutal of those have been the, good over the, the last
2: few years. This mm-hmm. isn't the year to play them.
3: Right, exactly. Man. but uh then you know you go up to Keene. Keene is a tough place to play. It is yep. loud there. The Keene locals come out huge for that. For that yeah. team, it's a, just a loud, echoey, old, cinder block, <laughs> 60s gymnasium. Yes. That's a tough it's place like to oasis. go and win.
6: You drive <laughs> there through the snow, you might see a moose. And then all of a sudden there's the the campus of Keene State yes. and like all of a sudden it's it's like Williams too. Very similar Williams feel. Yes. They they like packed the, the snot out of it.
3: Yeah, you crawl up US9 or whatever it is. Right. Uh come uh Danbury, you take US7 out of Danbury, yep. get onto 9 somewhere, I don't know what it is. Go past I made that Yeah. I made that trip once from Danbury to Keene, but it was June. Uh, I can't imagine uh, it's not my favorite thing to do it in January. I'm sure. It's very
2: different in June. Very. So I don't know what to
3: make of the wolves though. I just try to keep saying wolves so I don't call them the colonials.
6: No, don't, don't do that. I, I think like what stands out, like you said, is that schedule. And then like with Keene state, that's a, that's, that's a kudos to them. Um, I, I think in the conference, their best test might be UMass Boston. Might be.
2: Yeah, agreed. And
6: and they and they and and they they beat them uh, the first go round, but I think UMass Boston has now won, you know, six six games in a row. Yeah, no, they're like having that. a good season. So, so like they're they're in a much different spot. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out the next go round. Um, you know, what's interesting is, and I was looking at them too, is with them and their schedule. And we know the teams that they played. They're still turning the ball over a ton, hmm. almost like 18 a game, 19. If you're turning that ball over that much against an Elms, against other schools like that, what's going to happen when you when you when you're entering tourney time? And that's kind of like my my kind of like think of like, well, who are they going to match up against? I mean, the kid Robinson's a stud, six six you know, athletic and rebound, do everything. But I don't know how many people in, you know, UMass Boston has a player that can match up against them. Rick, you know, might have one, but there's not a lot of players that can stop them. So it's going to be interesting.
3: I'm just going to give a quick score update. They're tied with Mass Dartmouth at 71 with 332 to go in the game. So uh,
6: they, just going working working that magic.
3: I guess so, something <laughs> like that.
6: Uh, all right, we're we're kind
2: of tight on time. Let's keep it moving. Let's uh, talk to. Uh, let's go. Eh, let's go. Dubious. Why not? Let's go. Dubious. Uh, Snyder. We'll start with you on this Great. one. I hope you don't mind. I've been calling you by your last name for some god awful reason. Um, Great. Give me because he can't remember dubious, which Snyder sir.
8: he's talking to. That's why. Yeah,
2: fair. What's your
8: dubious? Uh, you can call me Snyder. That's fine. Uh, My dubious is Case Western Reserve. Um, Not dubious to be in the poll, but I'm dubious um, the new poll had them number seven. And I'm a little bit, um, I think that's high. I have them at 15. I felt that was really high myself. They've played, eight out of their 11 games have been at home. Um, Their best win, in my mind, is a five-point win to Carnegie Mellon. Now, Carnegie Mellon's good, but they're not elite. Um, I think, yeah, their Carnegie Mellon is like a massive 74. Five ranked team, kind of. That's their only, I think, Massey top 100 win. Took a while to get Um, to Massey tonight. I I love the computer (laughs) rankings. You know me. Um, I love it. I kind of with Case Western Reserve. I kind of feel like we're still giving them a lot of credit for beating UW Oshkosh in last year's tournament and getting into the Sweet 16. And I think we're way too far into the season to be doing that. Um, I think if you take a team uh, like Calvin, let's say, who I'm not voting for, but I'm very familiar with them, and you give them Case's schedule. I think they're 11-0 to as well, and yeah. I think their scoring margins are just, are just the same. So um, I, I think 7, for, to me, feels way too high. I'm dubious on that. To me, they feel like a 15-22 to 22 kind of a range. That's where I would be more comfortable with Case. I, they're going to have a tough week. I think it's Rochester and Emory on the road for them, so they have an opportunity to prove a lot to us this week, uh, and I think we're going to see some great games there, but I really want to see the results for Case to justify their position.
3: The nice thing about case or anybody in the UAA, right. Is they will get those tests.
8: Mm -hmm. NYU.
3: Uh, Yes. Yes. They're very elegantly put, sir.
2: (laughs) Um, Mike, any thoughts before I have a quick thought on case?
6: No, I I, I think like, um, I think it's a product of a couple things that they're ranked so high. I think one, I think, you know, we, we go back to looking at last year and now all of a sudden, it is a completely different team, especially with Coach McGinnis, you know, kind of entering like the D three transfer portal hard, like with with different different players and so on and so forth that way. So it is a little bit different dynamic. I think I'm with I'm with uh, man the fact that this is like for me kind of a make or break week. Like if it's can they prove the substance, um, and if it if it does, then great, I'll keep them there. But if not, then they could be potentially out next week. It's one of those situations where you got to bring it this weekend, but that's like you said with UAA ball every week is going to be like very telling. The UAA is very strong this year in particular. I, I think it might be um, the best conference in the country, arguably. Um, I don't, I think the the typical powerhouses aren't necessarily what they are like in particular, my familiar with NESCAC. I think it's, Strong, very top-heavy, but then there's a huge cliff. Um, and I think WIAC, you know, I, I still don't know what to think about the WIAC right now. So, like, it's very, I think UAA is arguably the best conference out there. So it would be very interesting to see how Case handles this weekend. They're going to take Ls. It just is what it is. But Go how they it. perform in those games is going to be, um, throughout the rest of the season, is going to be very telling because they're going to be battle-tested, no doubt.
2: Yeah, you know, somebody's voting Case Western Reserve th- in the third slot, and I don't usually know the polling data. I only know mine. Um, I've got them three. Listen, there's some I've talked to who feel they're better than last year, and at this point last year, I had started putting Case Western on my ballot. Could I I be wrong? Absolutely. There's just something about that team that I think is dangerous, and yes, I know what happened last year, and there is... I'm not relying my vote on last year, but, but then... Again, there isn't a team on this ballot I don't feel uncomfortable about. So it it is what it is. Yeah. But no, I think that's a great conversation to be had. Um Pat, you're dubious.
3: Dubious. Uh, uh my dubious is WPI. So uh when I heard Matt talk about you know why you know asking why we were ranking case in a specific spot uh basically that's the same question i have about wpi uh wpi we rank because they made the elite 8 last year they beat vassar they beat penn state harrisburg they beat rpi by one on a neutral floor and then you know like everybody else they got pasted by randolph-macon um <laughs> so i don't know you know, what is it on the WPI, uh, you know, resume that everybody is so gaga about um, rankable? Yes. On my on my ballot. I just don't see them. You know, There's another team that's floated up. Uh, they're 14 now. Right. So um, I that's why I'm that's why I'm dubious. And I'm hoping somebody can tell me why we're voting for WPI.
2: Um, quickly I'll say that WPI had come off my ballot for the last few cycles. I put them back in based on the recent results. I put them at 20. I feel a little high on that. I didn't, I, I kind of, I was really gung ho about them in the, in the preseason in the, I mean, maybe the first ballot. I don't remember. I had them top 10, but I quickly, I sold, got rid mm-hmm. of them. But, uh, Matt, your thoughts, if do you have any, I mean, if you don't have any, you don't have to.
8: I'm very similar to you. I had them out for a couple of weeks. I put them back in at 23, um, you know, just trying to fill out the last few spots for me. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't view them that highly right now, just because they haven't. I haven't seen them play and beat um, really any one of note. I don't think that I right. can think about the top of my head.
2: And some of those outcomes were a little nervous. Mike, any thoughts before we get your dubious
6: S- similar situation? They have a chance to win out, like, right. if, like uh, you know, like in a conference that isn't chance. as
2: strong as it usually is. No, right. Springfield's um, way down. Was three way th- down.
6: Three and um, ten. Would,
3: MIT's two and nine. Right. Baptist Emerson, might be their only I
6: test. Thought, I thought Emerson, quite frankly, would have a uh a, yeah. a, a better season, especially with my guy Jared Houston at center. I, I thought that they'd be better. Um Clark, maybe that's the best test for them. Maybe. Um, but I think like uh, I'm I'm with you, very similar. I voted him relatively higher this week. And then after uh, after doing some thinking, I was like, why did I even do that? And it was it because other people like lost, like, you know, it was like one of those things where I think even retrospect, uh, I, I think I voted him higher than them, you know, I probably should have, to be honest.
2: Yeah, no, I get it. Um, All right, let's move on to a debatable. Don't know if we have uh, ones, but you guys want to bring up at least. Um, Let's see, who should we go? Pat, go ahead. Start with this one.
3: My debatable is University of Rochester. And not that, you know, uh, I, I, like i famously said in our group email you know i I forgot that there was structure right this is a team i want to debate a team i want to know yes you know how are people handling for example the ryan algier injury right Right. i don't feel like we can count on having you know the pre-december ryan algier back this season so i don't really know what to make of any of the data we have on u of r basically
2: no, that's a, it's a good one. I, am certainly debating them, especially after the absolutely thumped them. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, Mike, you're the closest to them thoughts.
6: Yeah. Uh, I, I think we can't, it's almost like team a versus team B because like Ryan Algier obviously is a, is a game changer. Um, I, I don't think I'm with you, Pat. I don't know if he'll be back, you know, hopefully, obviously, you know, full like strength and things on those lines. Um, yeah. One thing with those programs, though, and I'm talking about the Rochesters, the Emory's of the world, um, they are typically always very deep because of the caliber of player that they attract. So, you know, I think the, you know, Coach Lecursey and, and Coach Toomey over there are kind of, you know, subbing in and, and kind of trying some different rotations, what I've seen. And, you know, some of those young kids, the young pups are getting kind of their, their feet wet. But it's going to be very tough because, UAA is is like we just talked about a war zone. And like to be honest, with with all of them, like they're all pretty darn good. And so like who shakes out? Is Rochester really the best out of all of them? I don't know. Yeah. If you talked to me November 17th, I was like, yes, they are. (laughs) And then and then after the Ryan Algeria injury, I was like, still okay. And then all of a sudden, NYU when undefeated and then lost. And I'm like, okay, it's not them. But then maybe Brandeis, then maybe WashU, maybe Emory. You know, so um, I I do know, like, it's going to be very interesting. I think, once again, I think the next two weeks for UAA play will start to shake a lot more out for us once we start to know identities and what teams look like.
3: And so Rochester next two weeks, just for – you know, comparison host case and Carnegie Mellon this weekend. Then they make the Brandeis NYU trip the following weekend. And then they host WashU, Chicago, and then it all flips around.
6: So the case, the case game, that's the one. It either makes a break either team for us, you know, like to be honest, like,
3: well, and that's the thing. If we have dubious thoughts or we have doubts or we have questions or debates on both teams, what do we do with the result of that game? Right. You're
8: throwing right. my hands up. No, absolutely. Yep. Man, anything to add, or would you like to throw in your do, or your debatable? Uh, I don't have too much to add. The only thing I'll say is I, I don't really know what to do with injury situations in general because you don't hear about all of them out there. You hear about some of the higher-profile ones from higher-profile teams. Yep. So I don't want to give a team too much of the benefit of the doubt when maybe another team is also struggling with something similar. And to some degree, you just kind of have to go out there and win. If you're relying that much on one player, sometimes it's maybe difficult to be kind of a top-10 team anyway. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just a challenge. So I, I, I tend myself to kind of discount, um, you know, or not really factor in injuries too much. Um, cause I don't want to get myself in trouble there, but yeah, I, I don't know what to do either. Yeah.
2: What's your debatable?
8: Uh, my debatable is NYU. And I think <laughs> they just missed the poll. We've been talking about NYU a lot here. Uh, they were the first receiving votes team listed. Um, I believe uh, so I, I I listed them myself. I kept them in, I think, at 16, which was down seven spots. I was quite high on NYU. We all know how they started the season. They beat up on these bad teams. Then they went to the Roanoke tournament just right. before New Year's. They beat Hanover. They beat Roanoke soundly. They looked great. So in my mind, they had kind of solidified themselves as a top 25 team at that point. And then they lost the first road game of UAA play. Uh, I think it was road game anyway. Yeah. Against Brandeis by 20. Um, so... To me, I said, OK, I'm putting them here in the, in the back half of my top 25. Everyone there has a question mark. Um, so is this their question mark? I don't know. Um, so I, I, I had that debate with myself. I, I did keep them at 16, but I had kind of like iterations where they're out of my things completely. And, and so I, I had that debate by myself. And I see a lot of voters had that same debate with NYU. Uh,
2: Pat, well. I'll, I'll, I'll let you take this tee shot.
3: Oh, just about the NYU history, right? That they do this quite a bit. Um, yeah. My my thing on NYU is that any year in their non-conference schedule, I would just go and cross off all the CUNYAC teams and all the Skyline teams. And then this year, I'm left with, I'm uh, left with three games. I'm left with uh, a home win against Moravian, and then the two games that uh, weekend down in Roanoke. So, it's just yeah. not a lot of uh, not a lot of track record uh, to, to go on.
6: It's. It's been the – M. we used to joke as as coaches, that's been NYU's, like, good scheduling, right? Like, better schedules than I did, you know, but, you know, in terms of record. But I think, like, literally, like you said, they haven't been tested. Um, Obviously, new coach, so new energy. Um, I think that's that's something to be accounted for. What's interesting is they did lose an All-American last year in Bobby Hawkinson. So for them to rebound and still be – Getting the victories like that, you know, that that, that I, I do give credit. But getting thumped at Brandeis, I was expecting a better result because I did say that I thought that maybe they would have performed better. But maybe the ride from New York City to Worcester was difficult.
0: Yeah, sure.
3: Pat? Well, I just <laughs> invite invite Coach Nelson to bring uh, Violets down to the D3Hoops.com Classic. Please come join us in Las Vegas. I agree We'll get you. you some games.
6: It's not Nelson anymore.
3: It's not. I know. I'm looking at the website. Like, why does it still say that? That's on me.
2: Uh, no. Um, that's listen, why I'll, I'll, I've been Coach inviting Plansky. the wrong guy. Coach Klaski
6: from Colgate. I know Plansky we're um, yeah, inviting the wrong guy. Here, but I'll quickly that say that. that i the um, wrong guy.
2: <laughs> I'll quickly say that, yes, I was impressed with the Roanoke result. Uh, I was impressed with the, how they did down there. But I still waited for the Brandeis game. And they're still
8: not my top 25. And, uh, Mike, and I'm, a, I'm a Roanoke voter, so to me that's a really good, good win as well. So I also understand oh, I, people view that game differently as yeah, well. Yeah,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> Listen, I, I think Roanoke's a decent team. They're not my top 25, but they're on my watch list. But I still want to see them in UAA play, plain and simple. I want to see them in UAA play. Mike, really late, but do you have a debatable to throw in there real quick?
6: Mark it here first. Guilford's going deep in the tournament. I think Guilford is very strong. So I've been voting for
2: Guilford. I wanted to, because of that, I wanted to relay one quick note that I got from someone completely unprompted. Um, Let's see here. He says, uh, just an unsolicited comment. Guilford College, with the transfers they've gotten, are a legitimate top-ten team with a shot to win it all. Very Mm -hmm. athletic, good size, fast hands, shoot three well. I won't go into who it was or any other details.
6: I think think they have all the makings of going really deep I think early on their losses to lacrosse and Wesleyan North Carolina Wesleyan were kind of like you said the transfers come in figuring everything out then all of a sudden you win at Emory by 14 that's very impressive um they've won nine in a row since the loss um they lost to Macon by three which I think is pretty darn good um what's interesting for them because like, I'm 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 like man I look at stats I, I look at everything you know three of their top top five scores don't even start which is pretty impressive like they're pretty balanced they're they're a solid they got a solid nine where if like an injury were to happen they got somebody waiting in the wings right to fill yeah like they're they're really deep and um, so I think for them I'm, I'm interested to see the Roanoke they have coming up. Yep. they have roanoke and they have virginia wesleyan virginia wesleyan is one of those probably ones we could also kind of go into maybe a deep dive scenario you know here and there i don't know um Until but the i last think two
2: losses i would have yeah they lost in two front. in a row right yeah yeah, yeah
6: so maybe Roanoke's one of them but randolph was the other yeah but i i think so you know roanoke and, and virginia Wesleyan, if if they kind of continue to go the path there um i i wouldn't be shocked like if we're talking about them you know, in tournament time, like some sort of Sweet Sixteen scenario for them, because they have the makeup of what WPI maybe was last year. Hmm. Um, I feel like, um, and they're kind of riding that wave right now, especially with those transfers.
3: That's still Tom Palumbo, right? I've got yeah. that right. Yeah, still. It's
2: still,
6: Tom <laughs> Palumbo. Yeah. All right.
2: Cool. Yes. He's no longer AD though. Yeah, I did man. know that. Yes, to so. the end of time, it's going to be Tom Palumbo. <laughs> Apparently, uh, he almost got the W and L gig. That's um. Also true. Matt or Pat, anything to add to that? Not for me. Cool. Uh, guys, I would normally ask you for a final thought, but I got to run because I got coaches waiting in the wings. Uh, I really appreciate the insight and the thoughts and and uh, gives us a sense also of how everybody thinks about the ballot. So thanks very much for that. You guys enjoy the rest of the week. Look forward to having you back on. Pat, whenever that might be, we might have breaking news next week for all I know and I'm going to have to drag you uh, back out of this, into the studio again.
3: I'm pretty long-winded, so that'll be great.
2: there you go hey guys thanks so much take care of yourselves my pleasure take care everybody back Coleman, matt snyder and uh mike raniac joining us here on the show really appreciate them taking the time we gotta get going uh coming up we're going to talk to glenn miller head coach of st joe's connecticut number one team in the country in their fourth season as a program still help bill broderick from christopher newport will join us we'll talk about that crazy wacky finish not finish in their game last night against WNL. And we will talk uh, to Wesleyan men's basketball coach Joe Riley, answer any of your questions along the way. You're listening to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC, NABC WBCA studios. Back with more after this.
5: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've
1: earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there
6: and take it. It's on us to stop sexual assault
9: There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only
5: 2% would go pro.
9: That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe
5: contract. No autographs, no private jets, no fan clubs, no hall of fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable.
0: We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships, and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're at D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, here from the NABC
2: WBCA studios. If you've got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. You can email us, d 3 sportscom You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Where we're live simulcasting the show tonight. We're also live simulcasting on YouTube, but I hope you're enjoying it also on Blue Frame technology, whether it's on your big screen, maybe it's on your mobile device or your computer. hope you're enjoying the program there as well, thanks to their assistance with us. Going to get right into our interview since we're very late on those at this point in time. It's the first show out of the gate. Why wouldn't we be late uh, back in the new year? Uh, St. Joseph's men's basketball team is the number one team in all the land. According to the latest D3hoops.com top 25, and of course, the previous one, uh, number one in just her fourth year or four, fourth year as a program. Pretty darn impressive, to say the least. Of course, uh, one of the big things about them being uh, so successful was Jim Calhoun. They had helped start the program. The former UConn coach brought in his good friend, who had some D3 background, Glenn Miller, to join him for that escapade. And then Calhoun handed him the keys fully. Last season, uh, right before Christmas, doesn't mean uh, Glenn didn't have his hands on this the entire time. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsa Hotline to talk about all of it is the aforementioned Glenn Miller. Coach, thanks for so much for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it. And congratulations on, um, I don't want to call it meteoric necessarily, but certainly a quick rise to the top of Division Three.
10: Dave, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been a it's been a fun journey, uh, starting from scratch and and gradually building the program. So, you know, we've gotten a little bit better each year, and we've got a a veteran group uh, mixed in with some good freshmen. So so far so good.
2: Now we should point out again to viewers at home or who might be watching, they can't see me. We we forgot to start the the little uh, uh, video option that to put my video into the Zoom. You can see me on the broadcast. They can't, but um, so coach might. Uh, might seem like uh, he's staring at just a random screen. I apologize. Um,
7: listen, let's, at- let's, let's go all the way
2: back. You know, this program, we talked to Coach Calhoun about this. It was an idea, to co-ed, get a men's basketball program. Big splash bringing him in. He obviously knew that there were going to be some limitations for him, and he goes into his right-hand pocket and brings in a guy he certainly knows well to coach this program. What were your expectations, honestly, when you started this program about when you could be successful and where you could be on the national map, if it were even a possibility, what, what were the realistic goals when you guys got this going?
10: Well, I'm not sure we were, uh, you know, initially we, we wanted to be good. Of course, coach wants to be good. I want to be good. Uh, most coaches want to be good. So you, you work hard to recruit good players so you can have success. Uh, as far as getting to the national level, I don't know if we had an expectation or a timetable for that, but uh, no doubt we wanted to be good right away. And we, you know, I, I think USJ did it the right way. They gave us uh, an entire, uh, almost an entire school year to uh, go out and recruit, uh, you know, for the following season. So we started out, I think we had 15 or, or 18 or so freshmen on the team, but we had a whole year to recruit, not just a month or two. So, uh, you know, that that definitely helped get get the program jump started.
2: Certainly. Uh, and and obviously you guys, though, made a splash. It did I'm going to ask kind of a loaded question. Did the following of the, and I'm going to call it the ESPN cameras, I know it was a documentary crew that was doing stuff for ESPN. Did that help, hinder, have no effect? I, I know it can be a distraction, but did that also help in the recruiting per se, to help you get to where you are now?
10: Well, I think that, you know, the main recruiting for the initial team was done. Uh, however, you know, the the exposure, uh, the players, I, f- I think, enjoyed it at time. Certainly, you know, the, the ESPN crew was with us on road games in the locker room. They went to class. Uh, they really covered us well. And there's so much footage that wasn't shown. You can't show all of it. But certainly, you know, that type of exposure is, is good for any program. And so it was good for us, too.
2: Fixing gremlins on the broadcast. Sorry, I'm back now on the microphone. Um, certainly any attention is a good attention. What was the selling point for you guys for St. Joe's? And I'm asking this four years down the road. I know we asked Coach Calhoun at the time, but now when you look back on it, what was the selling point that helped you guys get to where you are now to bring in the type of players you wanted to be successful?
10: Well, you know, the... the uh just starting a program and, and being a so, uh, part of something new, uh part, part of something that, you know, we thought could be special uh, and certainly playing for a hall of fame coach and, and coach Calhoun. Uh, that was an attraction. I, I think some, some guys that committed to us took a little bit of a leap of faith. They had other schools. They could go to more established uh, universities, coeducational universities with, you know, frats and, you know, sororities and, and, and social life on campus. And, uh, you know, programs uh, that had been in existence, basketball programs that successful basketball programs that had been in existence for years. So definitely a leap of faith, but uh, uh, an opportunity to build something from the ground up, I I think was uh, intriguing and appealing to some of our guys. And, you know, we did get some local guys from Hartford and, uh, you know, we have a great mixture of uh, kids in the state of Connecticut and and kids out of state too. So, uh, you know, just, just, I think, you know, being uh part of something that's start from scratch and, and probably they had the belief that with our coach and staff and the success obviously a coach Calhoun uh, and to a lesser extent myself uh, you know at, at the division one level as a head coach and, and certainly at Connecticut college with the number one team in the country that reached the final four that they probably had a little bit of belief that uh, uh, it would be a successful program and they could be a big part of it
2: Let's talk about this team. Ryan O'Neill leads the way. He's a graduate student, started and played every single game. Thirteen point one points per game, three point eight rebounds a game, two assists per contest. You also have uh, Tree, Mi- Tree Mitchell. Am I saying his first
10: Tyree Mitchell? It
2: is Tyree. I, w- yeah. I was a little worried about that. Uh, Tyree has played and started in eleven games. Eleven and a half points per contest. Um, you also have uh, Jackson Jr., a senior, Martin, a senior, Samuels, a senior, Sullivan, a graduate, Kinder, a graduate, Martin, a senior. And I was just li- listing off everybody who is, uh, who's, in terms of the most scoring, Martin's played in just seven games. you got to get all the way past him before you get to anybody who's an underclassman. There's a little bit of everything's in the basket for this year, is there not?
10: There is. I mean, we have some good young players. I mean, the stats don't serve them justice uh, to their, their contributions to the team and their their ability. And, you know, the other thing, the stats you're, you're reading into to games played, we've uh, had a little bit of an uh, injury bug. Uh, Tyree Mitchell, who's probably our best uh, offensive, one-on-one offensive player, uh, got hurt in a last play of the first half against WPI and mm. hasn't played since. And, and Shalen Martin, who, you know, f- for – one of the better defensive teams, I think, in the, in the country. Uh, he, he, along with Jalen Samuels, is our best defender. He he uh, uh, broke a, a bone in his hand in the Elms game. He hasn't Oof. played about six games. He gets the cast off tomorrow morning. I'm I'm very anxious for him to get back. <laughs> so, you know, we're those those two guys are huge losses for us, and we've been kind of just weathering the storm and you know asking for some you know, contributions for some you know from the younger guys who had been playing but need. to have had to play a larger roles with those two guys out a lineup. And, uh, you know, for us to really uh, be the team that uh, we can be, we need those two guys back.
2: Well, you definitely have four guys who are freshmen who have played in every single game as well. So clearly there is that youth on the team that this will transition to. Um, and, it's, and and you've got depth, clearly, as you said. You've had these injuries and you have these other guys who've been able to step in. Um the GNAC, as every time we've talked to Albertus Magnus over the years, is what it is, and it, it it it's it's got its challenges in the terms of everybody's familiar with everybody, and certainly you can get a a challenging game from here and from from now and then, but overall your toughest games on paper are behind you. Uh, Yeshiva, Babson, Oshkosh, Illinois Wesleyan, Tufts, where you're opening five, WPI in there as well, plus some other opponents that you played. How do, you, how do you get yourself ready for conference play and get yourself situated for the fi- you know the second-half run of this season and still be able to look back at what you did in the first half and not forget about it?
10: Well, you know, first of all, we play Albertus Magnus on Wednesday night, yep. and, and I think they're every bit as talented as we are uh, man-to-man, and they have depth. And they get off to a slow start this year. They had a you know played you know played Keene State and they played a few other you know middle. They yeah. played some good teams and uh, they're starting to play really good basketball. And that's a that's a real rivalry game for us. And uh, you know at their place uh, they led us for most of the game last year at their place. We ended up squeaking out a, a win in the end. Uh, they're a very capable team, very talented. Um, you know Dean is a much improved team, and, and Emmanuel is undefeated in in their in their. De- in their uh, division. So, you know, and you know, I'll do respect to the other teams in our conference, but those three in particular are playing good basketball and, you know, they they could beat us. We're, we're not invincible, far from it. Uh, you know, we have some flaws. Uh, you know, w- what we hang our hat on is we're a, a terrific defensive team uh, offensively. I don't know if we're as good as we were last year offensively. And, uh, you know, this, the numbers would, would tell you that, but I, I would say it's very difficult to be excellent uh on both ends of the floor you got to kind of you know pick uh, w- what area of the game uh, is going to serve you best to you know to be the best team you can and win the most games and sure i made that decision a while ago that uh, this team has a chance defensively to be a better defensive team than offensive team you know we still have to improve on offense but you know getting back to your your your, your question david's you just don't worry about the ranking which is hard to do um uh don't worry about winning and losing just try to get good at the things that you have to be good at to be successful every day and don't get bored, uh, working and excelling in those areas. You got to keep on getting better. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's a tough thing to do for any team at any level, uh, when you're having the success that, that we're having to, to keep that focus, to keep that enthusiasm and not get bored by coming to the gym every day and getting better in, in the areas that, um, you know, you highlight or as a coach.
2: Two of the three seasons you guys were eligible, or I should say two of the three seasons you've had a program where an NCAA tournament was possible, you've qualified. The first year was a lone exception. And unfortunately, despite hype, and I mean that not in a negative way, I just mean there was a lot of attention on you guys. You you stumbled in the first round. What have you learned from those experiences? What has this team learned from those experiences? And I got to assume... The message for you guys in the locker room is: Should we make the tournament? We got to move beyond the first round.
10: Yeah, you know, you don't listen. You just you try to again uh, get the most out of every day, and then go out and compete on that given night. Right. Uh, You know, there's a lot of good. There's 400 something Division three teams. I'm not so sure you guys do a great job, but you know, are, are those that are we number one in the country? Is you know, WPI? you know, 14th or whatever they are. Is somebody not in the top 20, are they good enough to be in the top 20? Fair. Most likely, yes. You know, yeah. it's for some teams. So, you know, we got beat, um, you know, last year by a, a Harrisburg team that played a great game, played a, yeah. a you know, a, they excelled with their 2-3 zone. And, you know, we just didn't finish some plays and, and they beat us. So it can happen. I, I think, you know, you just try to, as the season progresses, teams are going to, Get better. Teams are are not going to get better. They're going to s- remain stagnant. You know, you just want to continue to get better and really start playing your best basketball, if possible, yeah. uh, as you near the the tournament. And and those teams that can do that, that have the talent, will be best positioned uh, to advance in the tournament. So, you know, listen, it's it's a great achievement just to get to the tournament for any team that makes it there. And uh, we have a long way to go, despite our our early season success. Uh, to start thinking about the tournament we you know yeah. we just game by game and yep. you know, hopefully we have success enough success to get back to the tournament and have a chance to to play in advance
2: I just wasn't going to have you on every other week so I figured I better ask the question now <laughs> while I had the chance uh, yeah. hey, you've got coaching experience in division three you obviously have a wealth of experience in division one what is it about this division that drew you back and and for now apparently has you staying put
10: well you know opportunity i was out of a job and uh, just opportunity you know get just staying, stay in the game and you know as it turned out um you know co- you know coach hasn't coached a game in in 3 years even the, the last game he coached was before the the covid season and you know before that um you know with with some health issues you know sometimes he wouldn't coach a whole game so right you know, we've been working together and just having fun building this program for years. And, you know, probably just the opportunity to um stick around and, you know, the opportunity to, 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 to be the head coach of the team. But, uh, you know, I've enjoyed it. I really enjoyed my experience at Connecticut college. I've enjoyed my experience at, at, at both levels. And uh, there's, there's very good players at this level, and is excellent coach. And at this level, there's plenty of coaches at this level that may never get the chance to coach Division One, but could certainly um, be successful at that level. And uh, you know, so um, hey, it's uh, you got to work hard, and you got to be on top of your game, and um, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's very competitive.
2: Coach Calhoun still calling in to to, to, to to with ideas or to check in on his program.
10: Yeah, he, he you know, he just he just had uh, another knee replacement, so he hasn't been in in, in a couple of weeks, just kind of rehabbing from that. But he'll he'll be back in the office soon. He he calls, we talk all the time. He's just a, a basketball junkie. You know, it's not so yeah. much uh, telling me what to do or how to do it. Just we just talk basketball, and <laughs> you know, all air to him and he'll air out to me and we'll talk about our team and we'll talk about other teams and just just uh college basketball in general he's should point
2: out he's still around right
10: oh yeah he's still around still has an office in the building and like i say i i would expect him to be back in the office soon he's just just been out for a couple weeks with the with the knee replacement surgery and the rehab that goes along with that and uh he doesn't like to to hobble around with a walk or anything we'll see him when he's when he's when he comes into the gym, he'll. When he comes back into the building, he'll be in the gym. Of course, <laughs> he works out every day.
2: Uh, quickly, uh, we, we were supposed to have you guys at the D3Hoops.com Classic last season. Uh, obviously, for <laughs> the challenge that is COVID, it didn't work out. Uh, are we going to be able to get it, get you guys back?
10: Yeah, we'd love to. We'd love to to play in 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 the event. Uh, send me some information. We, you know, we're, we're actually our, our 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 league schedule is going to change. I believe we're going to go from. Yeah. 18 conference games back down to fifteen or sixteen. So there's going to be a few more out-of-conference opportunities. So we we definitely have an interest. We've
2: got space next year, I'm just saying.
10: Send send the info, Dave, and I'll All we'll right. take it.
2: To we could have a really together. bonkers one next year, though we had you guys lined up with Marietta last year. It was oh
10: but where's where's the site at this uh where are we gonna play
2: is what it is. Hey, coach, thanks for the time. Really appreciate it. I know we're running late, so I appreciate your patience as well. We have a tradition on the show; we always give the coach the final word or the guest the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in?
10: Yeah, no, I t- I told you last time I feel the same. Just uh, which which you guys bring to Division three college basketball, the exposure uh, is is great. Great for Division Three programs, for the players, for the coaches, for the schools, and uh, just really, really appreciate your coverage. And uh, keep it up, and uh, uh, we'll hopefully we'll uh, see you at the end of the year in an exciting, uh, setting NCAA tournament.
2: Oh, that would be fun. Hey, Coach, good luck the rest of the way. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, I look forward to chatting with you down the road, and uh, enjoy it.
10: Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Glenn Miller joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsla Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to do so. St. Joe's is fascinating team. A lot, of, a lot of storylines there. We Could talk for him forever uh, quizzing about what, what all that makeup is. But uh, we'll keep an eye on him. Listen, I, I know what he's saying about the conference, but from an outsider's perspective, we're going to have to see that proven out a little bit. Albertus Magnus, we know, has had a history of being really good. Johnson & Wales has had a history of being pretty good. We'll see how the conference schedule plays out because, honestly, they may not have a challenge unless they trip over themselves and stay number one the rest of the way. We'll take a break. When we come back, Bill Broderick will join us from Christopher Newport Women's Basketball to talk about his team and that wild game yesterday down in Southwest Virginia. You're listening to Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the NABC WBCA Studios. Back with more after this. <laughs>
1: Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team,
3: Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor
6: those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
4: It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now.
7: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on division three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
2: Welcome back everybody. How you doing? I'm Dave McHugh. Uh, rolling along here on this Hoopsville that we're running behind. So we got to keep things moving as it were. If you got questions for us, tweet us at d 3 hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on Facebook or we're live simulcasting the show facebook.com slash hoopsville. Wild game down at WNL yesterday in women's basketball action, featuring the number four team in all the land. Christopher Newport captains. Uh, As we said at the top of the show, the game uh, looked like it was over after one overtime with a 93-91 win to CNU. Unfortunately, a technical foul was assessed to the head coach of Christopher Newport, Bill Broderick, as the officials were working their way off the floor. Two free throws were shot by the Generals, which tied the game. Another technical foul was called on Coach Bill Broderick um, as they were getting ready for the second overtime. And that's the key here free throws were done they were getting ready for the second overtime so for two free throws were shot at the start of the second overtime yes coach broderick was asked to exit stage right um, in the ejection um, a ball was given to wl they started a second overtime captains came back to win it in the second overtime um, but it was wild it was crazy had lots of questions to be honest we weren't planning on having Christopher Newport on the show, but our other guest fell through for per, for good reasons. No, nothing nefarious and nothing wrong. But it begged the question, what happened? And you know what? You're about to not play a lot of games over a lot of period of time. So it's perfect timing. Let's join Bill Broderick, who joins us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsaw Hotline. Uh, and and, and Folks, I do know what's going on. Bear with me as I make a quick correction here. Um, There we go. Now let's give it a whirl and see if Bill can join us this way. Sir, can you hear me okay?
11: Uh, Yes, I can.
2: There we go. It worked. I had an uh, little setting on that I shouldn't have had on. I apologize to everybody (laughs) whose eardrums. I just blew out. Um, Coach, first, we'll get to the schedule. And I don't want to dwell on the topic, but man, you had me perplexed. Not for about a half a dozen reasons, mainly because I was learning about rules. I didn't, I thought I fully understood. Just talk me through the finish of the first overtime and just in your perspective, what happened?
11: Um. Well, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the game was, I thought was over and, you know, um, I was still uh, definitely excited about some of the calls and uh, I'm still trying to get my, I guess my piece in there, and um, when the officials were leaving the floor, they uh, assessed a technical uh, foul on me, and so um, yeah, that's what happened. I, you know, and I, I've, I've been doing this a long time, um, and so you know, I've got to know better than that, and and not let my emotions uh, uh, get the best of me, and knowing that, you know, in that situation. Um, so, uh, yeah, just gotta, you know, gotta learn from that and move on and, um, and and get ready for our next game.
2: I I ask this very seriously. Did you realize that a technical foul in that scenario would result in shots?
11: Uh, No, I didn't. I was not, you know, I've been, I guess, coaching 30 years. So I've never, I've never seen that before. Um, and it is well within the rules um like i said and so uh, you know I, I like i said i i should have known better just to uh, finish the uh, you know finish the handshake line and and move out and uh you know and just deal with that and so uh, but no I, I was not uh 100% familiar with that i don't think there was a lot of people familiar with that um but i think everybody is now
2: are you a little bit relieved that the second technical came after the free throws were shot so that didn't end up being a loss. Instead, it went on to overtime.
11: Yeah, I uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even know a second technical was assessed. Uh, I was already kind of walking uh, back to the huddle to get ready for the for the start of the second overtime. Um, but they notified me that, that there was, and then obviously I uh, left the gym so... Uh, yeah, it definitely was. I mean I'm you know, I was just, you know, after the fact and, you know, cool heads prevail and just disappointed that I would even uh, put our team in that position. Sure. Um, you know, just, just gotta be better, you gotta know and you know, I think sometimes you kinda game's over and you know, you try to get your last uh last words in and um you know, and I think just from exchange throughout the game or whatever it was, you know, they just didn't um, didn't appreciate it and I really uh, like I said shouldn't have uh continued on. I should have just finished what we were doing and uh and walk off the floor. So um but I, I'm super, super proud of of my ladies and our assistants for stepping up and being resilient and playing through that. It was uh outstanding basketball game. Uh I gotta give a lot of credit to Coach Clancy and her team. Um, she's got a young, young team. Um, they're extremely well coached. Um, they obviously gave us all that we could handle. Um, and so, just you know, it's just a just a great basketball game, and um, just really proud of uh, my ladies for sticking with it and and finishing through um, through the game.
2: You wouldn't want to tell me what the magic words were, would you?
11: No, you know, to be honest with you, I, I was, um, you know, and you know me, I'm I'm definitely uh, animated and, and passionate on the sidelines, um, but uh, I'm not a cursor, I, I don't curse on the sidelines, it was nothing like that. It was really more just questioning uh, a call um, that I didn't get that I thought we should have had, and so I was just still revisiting that when I should have let that go. Um, so, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was really the brunt of it, to be honest with you. And, um, you know, you just, uh, you just learn from it and, and move on. And, uh, you know, it's, I've been coaching as my 30th year on the sidelines. Uh, I've never been ejected from a game. Um, I can't even tell you the last time I had a technical foul. I think I've had maybe four or five in the 10 years I've been here. Um, that's just not, um, you know, behavior for me, you know, I'm always going to pussy officials like any other coach and, you know, you uh, get a warning and just kind of go from there. So it was definitely uncharacteristic. I think it was definitely a heated game. And, um, but, you know, once again, like I said, uh, you know, there's no excuse uh, to put my team in that position or to, um, you know, make any kind of scene at at the end of the game, uh, totally unnecessary and apologize to my team and, um, you know, Washington League coaches and and everyone involved, and I've got I've got to know better than that. It's not how I operate. Um, but like I said, we'll we'll move from on from it. Uh, you can bet it'll never happen again. And uh, just just really proud, uh, proud of my team and my coaches for um, taking care of business.
2: Uh, Bill, that's all I wanted to talk to you. Thanks for pre- <clears throat> no kidding. Uh, I appreciate the insight. Uh, it certainly was one of the wilder things I've watched in the sense that I just didn't understand all those rules. We talked about at the beginning of the show how those rules actually do play out. Um, and as you sure. said, you guys came away with a victory. Ultimately, you're 14-0 and on the season. Um, of course, a schedule that's a little wacky because of coast to, uh, the coast-to-coast coast <laughs> makeup, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But give me a sense of how you feel the season has gone for your squad so far.
11: Yeah, I'm, I am um, pleasantly surprised. Um, I, you know, I know we always kind of get ranked pretty high out of the gate. I think what a lot of people didn't realize is we lost a lot of players. <laughs> we, you know, we lost seven, uh, seven of our top 10. And so we only had three players coming back with any kind of significant playing time. So, you know, while we had some juniors and seniors, you know, they really hadn't gotten any playing time. We, you know, we had a, a transfer that we've added. We don't usually add transfers to our program um, just, you know, for our personal reasons and learning the system and those things. So, you know, we're still working to get her caught up to speed. And so, you know, I think we're just doing a lot better uh, right now as far as where I thought we would be. We've played uh, really a mix uh, of teams. We've played some really, really good teams. We played some other teams that I thought were going to be a lot better, but maybe are a little bit down this year. Um, And we still got obviously a lot of tough games uh, coming up. So yeah, just still figuring out. I think we are, you know, as usual, we'll you know going to try to play our best basketball come the end of the end of the season. And I think we are we're still getting there. Obviously, our starting point guard, our floor general, Gabby San Diego, has been out for a while. Um, we are hoping to have her back on Wednesday, which will make a will make a huge difference for us. Obviously, um, we'll see how that plays out. But you know, it's been a lot of other people. She's one of the three <laughs> one of the three people that actually had uh, had you know playing experience. So, but it's good though. You know, our our motto is definitely next woman up, and different people have stepped in. And you know, I I can't say enough about the job that. Um, Camille Malagar did last night for us Um, you know um, hitting you know uh, potential game winning basket making the you know winning pass and in, in second overtime and really just having to step up and fill shoes when she's really kind of a freshman right she played the COVID year had a few we only played like eight exhibition games um, and then she tore ACL last year before the season started so she really has this year and three more seasons left. So, um, you know, it's been good. I think our, our um, preseason All-Americans, um, they have stepped up. They have, they have lived up to that. Um, I think they have done that more than just on the court. I've been extremely impressed with their leadership. Um, they are leading like All-Americans. They are holding all of our young kids, right? People understand we have, you know, we have seven freshmen Two redshirt freshmen and a transfer. <laughs> that's, those are, that's 10 of our six players. I mean, 10 of our 16 players. So, so there was a lot to kind of, you know, get going there. But I think, um, the kids really buy into the system. Um, they enjoy playing the way we play. Um, we have fun. They're extremely unselfish. And, um, you know, it's, it's just been a, um, just a real pleasure um coaching this group so far just a uh, um great basketball players and, and even better young women
2: you've played 14 games so far you mentioned the mary washington game let's talk about that because that's technically a conference opponent as a coast-to-coast former cac is a little bit wild and wacky as we've talked over the years that'll also be the site mm-hmm. of the conference championship um for the c to c this coming year um they're also having a good season. They're thirteen and two so far. As they've kind of resurged themselves, what are you expecting on Wednesday? Will you have Gabby back?
11: Yeah, we're we are we are hoping to have um, Gabby back on Wednesday. But like I said, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Obviously, um, it's a, just a day day to day thing. She's dealing just with a, kind of a nagging thing. Um, you know, my her, her health and well being is always going to be first and foremost. And so we'll kind of play that by year, and trainers will keep me up. You know, they don't. Uh, uh, you know, I don't tell them how to do their job. They don't tell me how to do mine. Um, so we'll we'll see. They'll let me know if she's available. Uh, we will plan to to go on without her. Obviously, um, as far as Mary Wash, um, you know, we've we've had great games with them. Uh, Coach Appleberry does an unbelievable job. Um, they are, you know, year in and year out, one of the top defensive teams in the country. Um, they, they kind of almost remind me of a, a UVA men's team. Um, you know, they really make it tough to score. Um, they, are, they are very, uh, they're a very veteran team this year um, with a lot of kids that have a lot of experience. Um, so we, we know that we'll, we'll have our hands more than full um, on Wednesday. Um, but we're you know we're looking forward uh, to a great challenge on the road in what is always uh, an exciting environment.
2: You're supposed to play William Peace tonight. Uh, you'll play Mary Washington Wednesday. You've got Salisbury coming up this weekend. Um, but you don't have a ton of games between now and that conference tournament. You'll play Salisbury and Mary Washington another time. you even got a non-division three game against Regent. Let just to take the region game fairly you're basically now at 23 games in the division are you hoping to make up the William Peace and how tough has this scheduling been in this non-traditional setup that the C2C has
11: yeah we um, we also have Santa Cruz uh, in there which I think is a very uh, yeah I think they are um, you know I know they've uh, lost a few back-to-back but You know, their, their schedule is more brutal than ours as far as traveling and playing top teams. And, and I think when they have things clicking, they're a, they're a top 10 team in the country. Um, they returned all five starters. I was actually shocked that they weren't picked as the favorite, uh, in the conference, but, Mm. but we do have, we do have them as well. Um, we were hoping originally, uh, the region game was Finlandia, uh, one of our opponents. So that was kind of one of our conference opponents. And uh, there were some changes up there in um, coaching leadership and those things, and things didn't work out. So we were able to just add region. It's really hard to add somebody, you know, late in the fall that has two games available in February, right? It's almost, um, you know, almost uh, impossible, to be honest with you. Scheduling, scheduling is tough. You know, I tell people all the time, it's, it's probably uh, the most difficult part of my job. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're a little bit off the beaten path, um, as far as, you know, the division threes. And, you know, we, we've had pretty good success over the years. And so it, you know, and then trying to find teams in January and February that don't already have conference games. So, you know, it, it is a bit challenging. Uh, we navigate it. Uh, we'll tell you that the, you know, the university, our athletic department, um, really gives us a ton of support um, in, in helping us to, you know, provide opportunities for us to get to games and to play opponents and those things. So, you know, we've been lucky. We This year we took a trip to uh, Puerto Rico and we played two very good teams in Colorado College and Cortland State. Um, we went down um, to East Texas Baptist um play them at their place. They're they're an outstanding team, and I believe getting some votes as well in your poll. So, um, so we've been able to do that. I think we will continue to look to add uh, William and Peace. I think they're really down numbers, and I think they're just trying to focus on finishing out their conference obligations, which I totally uh, understand. Uh, I would love to add another game, and uh, so. Uh, i know uh, you have a pretty vast uh, audience and so um if anyone is interested uh, we would definitely love to pick up uh one more game so um but we'll see i think at this point uh, if we have 23 division three games and and with the strength of some of the teams that we've played um i think we you know we'll do enough to get at least a uh you know a full picture of, of what type of team we are and um and then the nc can. and you know decide from there
2: just for the record there's a great event in las vegas every year called the d3hoops.com classic just saying you and the men come on out
11: <laughs> hey that Both would uh, that'd be great yeah that would be great send uh send us some uh send me some information and uh we will uh we will definitely look into that
2: i'll get you in touch with the right people sir you should definitely come out uh listen your offense <laughs> is one of the top 15 i think in scoring in the division your defense is one of the top five We've talked about it before, the chaos that is that 94-foot defense coupled with the offense. What I think is most fascinating is you don't play, uh, or I should say player. you play a lot of players. You don't play them for long periods of time. I think one player may be averaging more than 20 minutes a game. What's, what's the secret sauce in getting everybody to buy
11: in? Um, you know, I think it starts with recruiting the right um, kids. Um, You know, we, I I think it's pretty, um, you know, pretty pertinent to see that we will have, um, you know, a lot of players that are in our rotation. Um, I think that's something that we share with recruits when they come in um, and kind of know that, that, you know, that you're going to get an opportunity to play as hard as you can on both ends of the floor um, for as long as you can. And so, you know, I've been here ten years. I, I haven't had a kid I don't believe average uh, more than twenty five minutes a game. Um, I think over the period of the season, I think that's pretty tough to to do that, but if they could, I would. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just about finding the right players and recruiting. We have uh, unselfish young ladies that are in it for the team. Um, they sacrifice a lot of stats um, to really for the betterment of the team and to win games. and so, I think it really just starts with recruiting uh, recruiting the right players.
2: Uh, I could talk forever with you, uh, but I know you're busy, and uh, I appreciate the time that you've given us so far. I'm sure we'll get a chance to pick your brain uh, a little bit more later in the season. I do have one question dating back to last season. You guys were on a tear, looked like Final Four bound when Trinity, Texas uh, disrupted everything, let's say. How much is that fueling things right now?
11: Uh, you know, quite a bit. I mean, you know, I think the, the one thing that's tough is, like I said, there's, you know, there's really only three players that have that experience. But I think, um, you know, it's just something that we know that we need to continue to get better. And I think, you know, what it shows is, you know, we had one bad quarter. <laughs> we, we had one bad quarter. The first quarter, we were down 11. It was the most we had, you know, trailed all season. And we were able to chip away and cut it to two with about seven minutes left to go. Just kind of ran out of gas. Yeah. Uh, Cam does Cam does a phenomenal job there. They, you know, finished and uh, closed the door on us. And uh, it's just played well. And it just shows you that, you know, it, it only takes a few plays in a quarter to, to finish the season. So, you know, I think it's always in the back of your mind um, as coaches and maybe players. Um, but this is a new year. This is a new group of kids, um, and and we're you know that's what we're focusing on on just trying to be the best team that we can right now. Um, the, the team chemistry is is unbelievable. Um, I think that is when you said what's the secret sauce. I would say that's the secret sauce uh, of just having you know uh, great young ladies that enjoy being around each other, that push each other, that are competitive in practice. And, and genuinely want one another to do well, uh, even if it means giving up some of their minutes. And and it's hard to find, you know, 16, 17 young ladies that are willing to do that or really players, period, at this time. And so just just really, really proud of them and, and the job they've done um, and, and all that they give and working hard for us uh, here, you know, both not only on the court, but in the classroom as well.
2: And that loss to Trinity was your only one suffered in the last 59 games ba- dating back to December 2019. So pretty impressive run, to say the least. I know uh, the job is undone or not done in, in your mind. So I wish you all the luck finishing this one off and, and getting to the NCAA tournament. I'm sure we'll talk to you by that point. Uh, safe travels. Just a warning, Coach, uh, we're not done with this interview until we hang up. So if you have any bad sure. thoughts about my my questions, just wait. Just wait. We don't want you to get teed up <laughs> on the show either.
11: Absolutely. yeah. No, I, uh, I, I appreciate uh, appreciate everything you guys do and, um, and, and bring in coverage um, to women's basketball, Division three basketball. Um, and, and just really glad that um, you know that you're back on the, the radio. Um, sorry to hear about your loss. Um, thoughts and prayers go out to you and your family. Um, and just really glad that uh that you're back and on the radio and, and all that you do uh for us. It's just a great great platform. So uh, and I also appreciate you um, really I guess educating everybody uh this afternoon and throughout the day of uh what the rules are and aren't for uh receiving technicals before or after the game. So appreciate that.
2: Well, thanks, Bill. I appreciate that. Uh, I was going (laughs) to say, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with those? I I have a feeling those might have been it, but the door is always open.
11: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Thanks again, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to talk to you again um, sometime this year.
2: Definitely. Take care of yourself. I look forward to chatting with you, and good luck the rest of the way.
11: Good. Thanks, sir.
2: He's Bill Broderick joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time to join us, especially learning a little bit late. Uh, good to hear from him on all of that perspective. And, um, again, wild and crazy. Um, a couple notes on this team, though, we should point out. Um, Anya Simmons, by the way, 60 field goals shy of calling for the NCAA record book. She has a 617 career field goal percentage. That's 16th all-time if she qualified right now in Division III history. Uh, Sondra Fan uh, ranks 13th all-time in scoring with over 1,200 points. She's 54 points away from the top 10. Um, and only one CNU player, as we mentioned, has played more than 20 minutes on average in this program. So really good program, always do well, and I appreciate Bill for taking the time to join us. We'll take a break. When we come back, Joe Riley will join us to talk about the Wesleyan program, the school, and more uh, as we talk to him about uh, something I just wanted to talk about. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com, from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more after this.
4: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
0: We've got more schools than Division 1, more fans than Division 2, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division 3 basketball like we do. We're at d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
5: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being.
4: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer, at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
5: It starts right when you hit the court you imagine your finest moment the game winning shot that gets you to the dance a monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court
2: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this welcome back show as we're back on the air here in this January side. Just a quick scheduling update, as we'll, we'll mention at the end of the show, too. Thursday's show will be live at 1 o'clock Eastern. I have games that I need to broadcast because I need to pay the bills, and they are being played on Thursday. So as a result, that evening, I need to not be in the studio. So we will do a show at 1 o'clock. Then we're back on the air next Monday at 7 o'clock Eastern. There's, a, I think, one more Thursday that will be on the air at 1 o'clock later this month as well. And we do have the marathon coming up as, uh, on top of that. We also have some huge opportunities with Hoopsville coming up. We have been given some opportunities. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But we'll be the exclusive home of some fun stuff coming up this season plenty to talk about in future broadcasts um one more segment we'll take a quick break come back rack things up we're already running late but that's how hoopsville is appreciate you all joining us if you got questions for us tweet us at d3 hoopsville hashtag hoopsville email us hoopsville at d3sports.com uh you can also join us on facebook at facebook.com where we're live simulcasting the show information scrolling at the bottom of your screen also on youtube live streaming there as well and if you listen to the podcast appreciate you doing so as well one of the things I wanted to do on this year's show was to bring in a little bit of an evergreen segment um, as often as we could, maybe not every show, but as often as we could without trying to make the show too much longer. And the idea is maybe we talk to alums of Division Three, or maybe we talk to somebody who has a cool little story. Uh, we might have remembered it from our Thanksgiving episode when we talked to WNL's women's basketball coach who's now a Rhodes Scholar. Just the different aspects of things that aren't necessarily tied into the Direct news. Um, case in point, last year we did a whole show on what was coming up at the NCA convention. Side note, we'll talk about some of the convention stuff in our final segment since the convention's actually starting this week with some votes for Division Three. So that's the premise of this. Well, we did, we had a, a, an unexpected break from Thanksgiving until now. And that break precipitated my first segment. I decided, well, i got to have Wesleyan on the show. For those of you who don't know and bear with me, my father had a quick um, illness starting in November. Uh, He had been battling some things for a while. Don't get us wrong, but things definitely went off the rails quickly in November. And he decided on his 85th birthday on December 5th to return home that this hospital stay was not worth it. Things were not going to progress better. And hospice was the best choice. And on the 14th, he died. He's a Wesleyan grad. He was a student athlete at Wesleyan. And one of the reasons I played soccer was because of my father. One of the reasons I was a pretty decent um, baseball defender was because of my dad, especially a thrower. I couldn't pitch. For some reason, I could not find the strike zone very consistently. But if I was moving as a shortstop, second baseman, outfielder, whatever, I could hit my target every single time, no matter what. Because in downtown Chicago, when I played or threw the ball with him, we lived on a very narrow street off of a main thoroughfare. If I missed him, I'm likely hitting a car that was parked either side of us. Well, that's not allowed. And then when we moved to Maine, we lived on top of a hill. His bad knees, he wasn't going to move very much. If I missed him, I'm running a half mile or more to chase that ball that just went down the hill behind him. Case in point, I ended up being a half-decent athlete. Got to play soccer myself. The evergreen segment is Wesleyan because I wanted to at least shine a light on his alma mater. We get a chance to talk to him every once in a while. But he had a wonderful moment a few years back when he went back for his reunion where he ended up bumping into the head coach of the men's basketball team, Joe Riley. And the call or text or whatever it was back and forth between um, my parents and myself going, hey, do you know Joe Riley? And the back and forth going, yeah, what, what are you doing at Wesleyan? ensued in a great pick and we'll show that in a minute but joining us on the blue frame technology hoops a hotline in a selfish way but uh, appeasing me nonetheless is the aforementioned joe Riley, head coach of the men's basketball program at wesley and coach i appreciate you taking that time to humor me here uh and come on and talk about your program talk about the school in general etc first and foremost how are you
9: doing good happy to be here and uh sorry sorry for your loss
2: oh, i appreciate that um wh- while we're uh, i'm gonna try and figure out how to do this i do have a picture I, i'll show it now because unfortunately if you start talking we're i don't think we're going to be able to hear you so <coughs> excuse me so i'm going to show the picture real quick this was a uh, summer of 2019 there you see joe who's clearly taking the picture uh and my parents uh who had who had arrived for my dad's reunion as well but joe and I, I think it was his 60th and i think that's that is accurate. Uh, but there you go. I, I just couldn't resist showing that great shot because, Joe, it, it definitely started off uh, a, f- a few uh, days worth of what was going on on the campus. Um, my dad was tickled that I got to cover Division three sports and that Wesleyan was ever in the conversation. Um, I think he downplayed Wesleyan athletics, to be completely honest with you. What was it? What's it like on that campus? What What is it about the Cardinals and Wesleyan that drew you to that school, and draws you to stay with that program so far? And and really, in some ways, kind of rebuild it. Another talking point of his.
9: Well, it Wesleyan really is a special place, and uh, I was I was at Bates College for eleven years in the NESCAC. Yeah. I played played at Trinity in the NESCAC, so super familiar with Wesley and competed against Wesleyan in the old, uh, in the old cage as a, as a student athlete. And then, and then coach against the Wesleyan teams grew up in Connecticut and, uh, just knew the great reputation that Wesleyan university had. And they, they actually reached out to me when I was at Bates and they knew that I had strong family ties in the state of Connecticut. So they reached out and asked if I was interested in the job. They had just built a brand new facility where I snapped that, that, uh, that selfie, including your parents in there. And, uh, and uh you know I was really I was I was really sold on the university and and I was really sold on the challenge the 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 little three and the rivalry between uh Wesleyan Amherst and Williams was super intriguing I I was at Bates where the 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 rivalry uh, was you know spanned over 100 years against Bowdoin and Colby and and that's real it's as a coach and a program it's really fun to be part of a rivalry that's existed for so long so uh you know, it was a it was a huge challenge, and I think ultimately it was the people. Wesleyan University is just it, it's a unique place. It's they're just they're just great people, and it's a very diverse community and diverse in so many ways and diversity of thought, diversity of experiences, diversity of interests. And you know, I, I think if you pulled ten Wesleyan students, uh, you know, aside on a tour and you asked them. Uh, what they love most about Wesleyan, I think the, that i all say they love Wesleyan, you might get 10 different answers. It's just, a, <laughs> it's just a place you can really, you can really be yourself and find yourself and, and, uh, you know, as a coach, I can be myself here and I have a real unique team and they, they, they are, they're, they're, uh, they're energizing to be around.
2: I love it, and this is uh, a tip of the hat, a little bit to the Bob Quillman's of the world, those who went to an Illinois Wesleyan or an Ohio Wesleyan or a West Virginia Wesleyan or a Virginia Wesleyan or a Nebraska Wesleyan. I, I toured about three or four of those myself, looking at schools. You guys are the first, right? You're you're, you're the Wesleyan. Yes, correct. There is, by the way, a Wesleyan in Georgia that's all women's. Interestingly enough, of course, Wesleyan was an all men's school. Do you guys get any confusion with any of these schools? It's a, sometimes we do.
9: Sometimes we do. I, I, a, a great story is I run a youth basketball camp and I had uh, – i had one of my first registrations come through and i didn't pay too much attention and then uh, i realized it was someone from nebraska they thought they were signing up for the nebraska wesleyan uh, summer camp with uh, with dale wellman and i uh, had to quickly send the refund but i mean the the money the money was in the paypal for a couple months before they got you know i sent out the confirmation email so we do that that's an extreme example but sometimes it does get a little confusing
2: that's brilliant though. <laughs> that is, oh, wow. That's great. I'm sure Dale was appreciative that you at least corrected the young lad. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, give everybody a sense of where you're located. Cause I, I know where you are in Connecticut, but I think a lot of people get confused on where the schools are in Connecticut. Give us a little so, sense of where you actually are located and who you're closest to.
9: Yeah. So we're, we're, we're right out, right on along the Connecticut river. We're central Connecticut you know the, the the recruiting pitch is you know 90 miles outside of New York City and 90 miles outside of Boston. We're we're about 15 miles south of Hartford, capital, uh, the home of Trinity College. That's another big rival of us. We just got to shoot up 91 North to get there. So uh, Central Connecticut in Middletown's a, a a cool little hip town and uh, it's, it's got a cool main street that that's within, within walking distance of the campus. So it's a cool spot.
2: Cool little eateries in that town, uh, I know as well, which when I get up to campus, I definitely want to check out as well. Um, Wesleyan, one of the things my father always wanted me to understand, (laughs) which always cracked me up, was that Wesleyan Athletics was in a resurgence, because let's be honest, it wasn't much of the conversation maybe 15, 20 years ago. He's like, oh, that AD or that president, they're bringing in so-and-so, they're bringing in so-and-so. Is that the case? What's changed with the athletics department? Because you guys have become more competitive. Women's lacrosse has been to a Final Four. You guys have certainly gotten a a, a program that's clicking along. Women's basketball has kind of pe- appeared on the radar, and I know other s- sports have certainly been in the conversation. What's changed?
9: Yeah, our uh, women's tennis won a national championship, and they're, yes. they're also runners-up in our men's lacrosse program won uh a Yes, good point. I forgot about them. So uh you know uh I think it starts with President Roth it starts at the top he's uh he's I've been this is my starting my my uh 16th year here at Wesleyan and he he's been the president the entire time and and uh and he's super supportive of athletics he's he he's a big believer in excellence across across campus you want excellence in the classroom and ex- excellence in athletics and and uh and he's super supportive of the coaches and we're, we're faculty members here at Wesleyan. And, and that means a lot to us as coaches that we're treated as faculty. We have faculty voting rights and, uh, and our athletic director, Mike Whalen, he w- he was the former, he's a Wesleyan grad, he's yep. former football coach at Williams. And uh, he, we we had a coaching change in football and he came down and, and, and coached the football team for four years, but it was also part of the deal that he was going to transition to, to uh the athletic director's seat. And uh he's super supportive. So I think it's a great it's a great team with President Roth and Mike Mike Whalen and and uh you know just chasing excellence across the board and and when I when I was when I was offered the job at Wesley and I actually met with President Roth, I, I did a second visit because uh you know they you know they were talking a lot about about what a great place Wesleyan was and there were great colleagues and, and, you know, the NESCAC's a great league. And, and I, and I, and I explained that, you know, I'm already in the NESCAC and I work with great colleagues and,
1: <laughs> and uh,
9: I wanted, I wanted to go a place where that, where, where winning was important. And, uh, and we were going to be supported to do that. And uh, that's proved to be the case. There's a bit of a, bit of a rebuild and, you know, the growing pains never feel good, but the, the results have been fun.
2: Well, yeah, and especially in the Nescaq, they will expose everything. Admittedly, when when I thought I definitely want to have Wesleyan on the show, I looked at the record I went, ooh, three and five uh, for a team that I was somewhat high on at the start of this season, I, I, this, this would be a little bit of a sell job, but I, I had to take a break, had to do some other things, came back. Look at you guys, eight and five, winners of five straight, Bridgewater State, Maine Farmington, Springfield, Amherst, Bowden, and Colby tell me a little bit about the season going on
9: yeah so last year we we just had a magical season I mean there was certainly a lot of ups and downs with the impact of COVID but uh you know we ended up we ended up 25 and four we we won the regular season of the NESCAC we hosted uh, all three games of NESCAC tournament beat Williams in overtime to to cut down the nets to win the our second uh NESCAC championship which was great and then we we hosted and and uh you know the the way that i define success is man is the the teams that you absolutely love you just don't want it to end and man collectively as a unit we did not want it to end we were just having so much fun but you know we we got outplayed in 40 minutes by rpi we had a had a shot in the air to 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 win it and it, it didn't go down and had some opportunities you know within obviously within those 40 minutes to to get it done and then uh and then coming back this year, we 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 lost a lot. We lost our starting center, who is an all-league player, Jordan James. He was great, second in the country in field goal percentage, just off by a couple tenths of a point. Uh, First-team All-American Sam Peak. He he had a fifth year, and we were hoping he came back to Wesleyan. But it was a we we're super excited for him. He's down at Stetson University, and he's broken into the starting lineup. And they're four and zero in conference play for the for the first time. Uh, and maybe in school history, but certainly the first time in a long time. And uh we had another thousand point scorer graduated. So it was a we knew it was gonna be a different year and and guys needed to step up in different roles. We are uh oh uh, we you know we have a lot of leaders on our team, but uh Preston Mako is is a player who was huge for us last year and he got hurt in preseason and missed the first four games and practiced one time and we threw him into his first game. and figured might as well get him get him get him back as soon as we could so that was a that was a little bit of a of a, a curveball we weren't expecting but i think we're hitting our groove now that you, we play some younger players and play through some mistakes and and uh we have some guys that have a lot of big game experience so we're we're looking forward to a great second half of the year i also didn't do us any favors with our scheduling 10 out of our first 13 were on the road and uh, you
2: know <laughs> i well was gonna to get to that
9: yeah so you know but it's uh it's an interesting year I, I, I love this group and we didn't panic and you know, we, we, we'd lose the game. I've like, got guys, we're fine. We're learning, we're growing. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to hopefully take it one day at a time.
2: Hey, uh, off to a decent start in the NESCAC two and O that, uh, Amherst game didn't count for the NESCAC. It counted for the little three, uh, something else my father talked to me often about. Um, what do you expect of the NESCAC race this season?
9: Wow. It's, uh, you know, I think the Nescaq conference is is really as, as good as ever. We we went up to Williamstown and faced Williams and uh they got us they got us pretty good. They're you know, I've seen I've seen a lot of great Williams teams in my twenty five plus years in the Nescaq and I think this is this team is as good as uh as maybe any team that they've had. They have they have a lot of pieces and uh, you know, I go back dave with uh remember harry Sheehy? i was coaching against harry Sheehy, Dave yeah. Paul mike maker and now uh kevin app and they've all done such a great job there but i think williams is really good i mean jeff brown at middlebury i mean he he's he's doing an amazing job i haven't i haven't done too much of a deep dive we're not playing them for until for a couple of weeks but they're good i know tufts is good i mean damian strayhorn and colby we, you know we uh you know the NESCAC playing Friday Saturday in the single round robin these games all you know it's like they count double for us and they're really good and in, and in, uh, in, uh, in Trinity College is having a good year too and Conn College is a 2-0 in the league so it's uh you know we're going to have to play it out every 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 weekend i think it's going to it's going to it's going to be super interesting it's hard to predict the scores right now
2: yeah no it it looks like it's going to be a wild ride To the end, Williams, Middlebury, everybody looks good. But, you know, Bates and everybody else showed last season, even on the women's side, that anything's possible. And we've had Deep Seed win the tournament more times recently than I think anybody expected. So I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Obviously, you have Mitchell uh, ahead in non-conference play, then back into conference play against Connecticut College, then against Yeshiva. At home, which is a great game, then back into conference play against Trinity Connecticut, then out of conference play against Mass Dartmouth, and then you finally finish off the rest of your conference schedule. It, it's it's going to be a, a wild season for you guys. Yeah, and there's no, and
9: there's no hiding. And you know, in in last year, uh, you know, we we. We we just love playing a tougher schedule, and we ramped it up again this year because it's you know you just get a true measure of yourself if you're not playing really good teams early. Yeah, you're, you you know you're going to find your deficiencies in January, and you're 45 practices in, and it's hard to it's hard to figure out exactly who you are and in what those deficiencies are so yeah, it's, good point. it's certainly a challenge i told the team today when we circled up like let's not look too far ahead let's just one one day at a time here and you'll be fine because even with those 10, 10 of 13 on the road it's a little daunting if you're thinking about that so we were just taking one at a time
2: well joe i, I running behind has you late yourself and i appreciate you taking the time to be patient with us and be on the show and. Humor me a little bit, too. Um, and, and we'll thank Max, uh, your sports information director, here in a bit as well because of the great stuff he found for for me. Uh, some of those pictures we'll show at the end of the program. But um, I appreciate you taking the time coming on and, and talking about the Cardinals, talking about the program, the history of the school, et cetera. I'm looking forward to being on campus sometime, sometime soon. Who knows when, but we'll be up there. But we always give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in?
9: You, you know, I, I'd like to just make it a little personal for you. Is when 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 I by chance was asked to talk at, to uh, some former athletes at the at the six sixty year reunion and on the floor of of Silhouette Gym, I, I wasn't expecting to see your parents, and that was a a pleasant surprise. And I and I just like you to know and hear from me that 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 both your parents and especially your dad talking about you being ambassador for the game and for do all you do for division three like he was just so he was just so very proud of you and and uh and and that was great to see and and i'm going to just speak on behalf of all the nescat coaches and all the division three coaches out there that that we really appreciate what uh d3 hoops and the platform does for for this great game and it's you know we all do it for the student athletes and uh and and you make the the division three college basketball experience for the student athletes so much better. I mean, I'm, 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 whether well, you know or not me and all these coaches, we're spending our, you know, we're drinking our, our uh, morning coffee with you every morning during the, during the season, checking out the scores and the site and what, what news is breaking. So you're doing just a great job. Keep it up.
2: Thanks, Joe. I, I appreciate that. Um, definitely wish I could have more time to talk of, about and with him, but I know he was proud of his alma mater and, and, and I appreciate your kind words as well um good luck the rest of the way i'm hoping i'm talking about the cardinals in the tournament maybe when i'm wearing a tie on an ncaa show that'd be fun i love it hey joe take care of yourself and uh, i'll talk to you soon
9: all right thanks Dave.
2: joe riley joining us on the hoop hotline appreciate him taking the time Uh, a quick note you're going to see a picture a little bit later on the show where my father is kicking a ball on the sideline there's a great story about him and i talking about getting yellow cards and he told me the one yellow card he got in college, he argued with an official about whether a ball was out of bounds. He thought it was in. Swore up and down it was in. Coach said, or official said, you're wrong, and gave him a yellow card for the argument. Just for the record, for whatever reason, I never earned a yellow card. There's a few occasions I wish I had, and that's a whole other story. My father swore that ball was in until the yearbook came out that year. And there was a picture of that kick. And my dad said, he turned and realized, darn it, that ball was out. (laughs) Always stuck with me. I appreciate Joe coming on the show. My other favorite thing that my dad always said, never ruin a good story by sticking to the truth. We try to stick to the truth here on this show. But when telling a story, we'll try and have some fun with it as well. Quick notes on Wesleyan, on that team especially. Um, last season, they had a winning record for the seventh straight season, dating back to 2014 15. That's the second longest streak, consecutive winning streaks, since the start of the program in 1901 02. So the second longest winning percent uh, streak last season, or winning you know seasons, seven winning seasons, second longest in the program's history. Coach Riley has now the second winningest coach at Wesleyan. Um, last season was their single best season in the 121-year history of the program. They finished 25-4, and four, top seed in the tournament for the first time ever, set six single-season school records, while the team had five players average 10-plus points or more per game, something that had never happened in program history. And as a an aside, here's some famous Wesleyan alums you might know Michelle Roberts, class of 70, no, that's, I think so, it's class of 77, executive director of the NBA. Bill Belichick, class of 1975. Do you, do you know, do you know Mr. Belichick? He was famous at Wesleyan for lacrosse, in fact. Lynn Manuel Miranda, class of 92. You, you might know Mr. Hamilton. Uh, Matthew Weiner, class of 87. He created The Sopranos. And Mad Men, Michael Bay, class of 86, Josh Whedon, class of 87, and Mike White, class of of 92, creator of the White Lotus Show that is getting so much attention, though admittedly I've not seen it. If you're a fan of How I Met Your Mother, Wesleyan is a huge part of that program as well. Huge thanks to Max McNall for some of the pictures he found in the yearbooks and sent to me for my family. Could not be more appreciative of that from him. And a huge thank you to Joe Riley for humoring me, to say the least. Um, We're going to take a very quick break, recap news, get you some details, and sign off. You've been listening to Hoopso, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. We'll be back right after this to wrap this show up.
4: These are your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer. At every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
5: I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance. It's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly is all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental. Well-being.
2: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, as we wrap things up way later than I ever anticipated this show going. I knew we were jamming in a lot of news and a lot of content tonight, but we are way past my wildest dreams on how long this show would go promise we're gonna try and aim at two hours every show, but this one definitely got out of control. But really because we had so much news. Uh this is very reminiscent, if you know the history of this show, to when we made it back on the air after a little bit of a layoff back in the early aughts when we returned to the air at Goucher College. Um and we're there for a number of years thanks to my friend um Oliver OJ Janney, who is now a top person at CNN. Uh, they had a radio station there. It's a long story. If you ever want to know the history, I'll certainly give it to you. But uh, I worked uh, overnights. Or basically, I worked morning show and noon show at um, WMAR in Baltimore. And so uh, my bedtime was normally somewhere around 8 or 9 o'clock at night, getting up about 3 or so to go and uh, get into work. And Hoopsville was going to have to be on at 7 o'clock at night. was just it made the most sense. And so uh, on this one particular occasion when we were going to bring the show back, I think, I think it had to have been a Thursday, I uh, chose to take a nap or try to. And when I woke, my phone had been blowing up unbeknownst to me with text messages and phone calls. And everybody had a segment I needed to do at the top of the show that I hadn't planned on doing. It was out of Cabrini and John Zeke, who had been told by his president that he would not be returning as the head of the Cavaliers, which at the time was significant news. To make a very long story short, the project I was working on, because it was basically hoops or returning, was part of me finally completing my degree, ended up earning me that degree in one show. But my point is, everything I had planned on that show blew up because I had to get breaking news on the show. And I vowed I would never take a nap before Hoopsal ever again, and I haven't. Well, I felt like in the last few days, this show just kept getting breaking news added to it more and more, and it seemed appropriate, because it was about the same timing, by the way, in January as well, of that year. Uh, Quick note, we will continue to follow the news out of Albion on their men's basketball program and what's going on with their head coach, Jody May. Uh, um, We will link to articles in the uh, show, which you haven't yet, but we will to better inform you of that. We will continue to follow the Chicago Concordia, Concordia Chicago news, and the status of their head coach as well. I uh, appreciate Bill Broderick coming on to talk to us about the wild game at, at Washington and Lee for his captains of Christopher Newport. Appreciated him being frank as well, and I him being kind to talk about that. Uh, we'll talk more about the UEC uh, and United East and CSAC merger—that will certainly be a conversation down the road. Um, and we'll talk about school changes and coaching changes and all that. I do. Uh, by the way, we didn't get a chance to, to tip of the hat to Ithaca. Right? It was Ithaca who got the Sports Center top ten play um, with a behind the back shot at the buzzer to win it. That was awesome. Was great to see uh, on what was a tough night. If everybody remembers, I think that was the Monday night game or the Monday night that. Uh, that uh, the Buffalo game where Hamlin was so seriously injured. It was very nice to see that little note and nugget. Um, a quick note on the NCAA conventions coming up this week. Division three has a few items that they are voting on. The one that's the most particular one is actually multiple ones, and it's very interesting to say the least. Here's the basics. A number of years ago, I talked about how it would be great if basketball coaches could get time with their student-athletes, especially new ones, in September. But the way the structure is, they are not allowed to. And this kind of stemmed a little bit from the Stevens Point thing, which, by the way, a little over five years ago, Bob Semling was suspended for the rest of the season due to that investigation that took, what, two some odd years to finally be completed? Six months longer than it could have been completed, but I digress. Um, we couldn't find a solution. My idea wasn't perfect. My idea was allow them to take a week, use it in September, and they just you know now they're down to eighteen weeks during the regular season they just got to figure out where they lose that week whether they take it out of their preseason because really who needs four weeks maybe they take it out of their holiday, maybe they take it out somewhere else. Covid ended up having the answer, and the answer was moving from weeks to days so instead of nineteen weeks, you get hundred and fourteen days. Um, that is a huge hit. There's one problem. The convention for Division Three, when they will vote, has two ideas to try and replace the week's structure. Both of them encompass 114 days. But they're vastly different. The one from quote-unquote membership, meaning it came out of the membership group, is 114 days with very few restrictions on that. It's just 114 days. How do you want to use your 114 days of your season? Have at it. And, and especially for split season sports like hoops and all that, how you want to use it? You want to use five days in September to get together with your team? That's perfectly fine. You just take those five days away somewhere else in your regular season. And, and true with every other sport. The more governmental version or the more built up through people talking it out and hashing it out and putting in some guidelines and some road work, as it were, has 114 days as well. It just has more structure. Uh, for example, uh, for basketball or any sport that splits seasons, tennis, hockey, wrestling, I think golf, any of those you can use up to eight of your days before, you know, in the early part. For example, in basketball, you could use up to eight of those days before October 15th. If you want to use them in the first week of September to meet with your team, get things rolling, put a game plan together before October 15th, go right ahead. Then maybe you start your season or your preseason October 24th, or maybe you start October 15th, but you take those days away around Christmas however you want to do it. So there's two versions. There's a more unrestricted version of 114 days, and there's a more structured version of 114 days. Well, I, I, it's been a while since I read all the details. I kind of like the structured one a little bit, but I, I can understand the, the idea of both. To make sure that these are voted through and, and replace the status quo, there's going to be a change. Normally, if these two got brought up and, and to Paraphrase the person I was talking to who I'll mention here in a moment. If it was Bill 10 and 11, let's say. Let's say everybody likes 11. So 10 gets up to vote against the status quo and gets voted down because a lot of people like 11. But there's also a lot of people who like 10 but not enough to get it passed. Then they get to 11. Well, that gets defeated too because there just wasn't enough people because there's a split opinion about which they want. And all of a sudden you're left with a status quo and both got shot down. So Division III is gonna has added a special way of voting. And, and it took me making this extra phone call, and I want to thank Brad Bankston at the ODAC. He has become my go-to on a lot of these things because he is so knowledgeable. What I love about... So what, as he described it is, here's what's going to happen. For those of you who don't know the nuances of the convention, on Friday there's a business meeting, essentially. And Division Three does straw polls about... Uh, future ideas. They also discuss those ideas that they're voting on Saturday morning. Instead, um, it's kind of a feeling-out process. Some people get an idea of where things may stand on some bills. Some bills, and I'll admit, one of them was the um, 10% reduction in schedules. Can the, the it can be revealed that they are to die? That they are not getting. They're not going to go very well on Saturday's vote and that those who had those bills can maybe change how they want to approach it. In the case of the 10%, those who who had been pushing that forward basically went up to everybody uh, on Saturday morning and said, we're withdrawing this. I'm paraphrasing. I'm not getting that exactly right. But that's because of basically up until Friday and Friday, it was well-received. So anyway, that business meeting Friday... They do they straw polls on some other future bills or what Division three likes, and everybody can vote. If there's 10 representatives from uh, X college, all 10 can vote, whereas on Saturday, one vote from one institution. So the, the voting is a little different. Anyway, they're going to take advantage of Friday, and what they're going to do is they're going to they're going to put these two bills up against each other, the the more unstructured version and the structured version, and they're going to they're going to debate them like they would on a normal Saturday vote in the convention you know, during your normal business, um, and they're going to go back and forth with those, and then they're going to have an official vote, and they're going to decide which one of these are we going to put up against the status quo. Let's say X wins. So that on Saturday, X will go up against the status quo. Here's the twist. If for some reason X fails, okay, on Saturday, they will then bring back the losing one from Friday and put it up to a vote. The idea is they're trying to remove the status quo. They want to go to days. They think both ideas are valid, and they want straight-up votes to get those passed, if it means that the membership can vote on Friday for what they think is the better version and then make it go up against the status quo on Saturday and it passes, then we move on, that's what it's going to be. If they do that, but then somehow there was a change of heart or, and this is the trick here, there are some people who aren't there Friday voting but do show up on Saturday to vote because you must be there on Saturday. That is part of your membership requirements reinstated this year. That might change the vote. And so, again, they will, vo- they will vote Friday to determine which of the version of the 114 days is going to go to the, to, to the vote. Then on Saturday, that version will be put up against the status quo, yay or nay. If it doesn't pass, they will then bring back the other one just in case. I think 114 days will pass. It's just a matter of if it's structured or not structured. It's going to be fascinating to watch. There's some other things to keep an eye on. We'll have a little bit of a better update on Thursday as to exactly everything they're voting on. But I thought that one deserved a little bit more attention so that you understood how that all was working out. So there you go. (laughs) Convention's always interesting. I've I've enjoyed going over the years. Um, I wish I could go this year. Just can't make that trip happen. But uh, nonetheless... Uh, We'll keep an eye on it. Um, Again, update. Thursday, we'll be on the air at 1 o'clock live. Uh, Next Monday, we'll be back on the air at 7 o'clock. We do try, are going to try and keep these at two-hour shows for the most part. Um, We have the marathon scheduled at this point. We believe we'll be on February 2nd. I think that's the right date. It's a Thursday. It's at least what we're working towards. I want to thank everybody who bought T-shirts back in November and got them before Christmas. Admittedly. Not a lot of you bought any. We're working on maybe one more idea uh, and one more sales drive. We will do that down the road. Very big thank you to the National Association of Basketball Coaches and the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Both have agreed essentially to come back on board as partners. Um, We'll be doing more work and announce more about that as we move forward. If you are interested in being a part of this show, whether it be an advertiser, a sponsor, a partner, an investor, a donator, whatever. I know there's some people I need to get back to on this. Please get in touch with us. We will talk about how we can do that. Your support will be significant for this show and helping us move forward, and especially in the very immediate future. Um, I think that's it, right? I don't think, have, have I forgotten anything, anybody? I think I got it all covered um once again thank you to all of you um and i oh thank our guests pat coleman for coming on the show talking about all the crazy news i'm sure we'll get him back for more of that crazy news matt snyder and mike raniac to join pat for the top 25 chat real big thanks to glenn miller uh bill broderick and joe Riley from uh saint joseph's connecticut um Christopher Newport and Wesleyan, uh, respectively, to talk about their programs and their schools. Really appreciate their time. And, again, huge shout-out to their sports information directors, Rob Silsby at uh, Christopher Newport. Again, Max McNall uh, at Wesleyan. Um, and Joshua Ingram and his assistant, Dan, uh, at St. Joseph's. Really appreciate all your help, gentlemen. Um, not sure what we'll get on the show on Thursday, but we'll work towards it. Usually we start breaking out into regions. We haven't gotten our feet under us yet, but we'll certainly work towards that. We will have the women's panel, I hope, to talk about their top 25 on Thursday's show as well. And again, we have got some huge things coming. Haven't gotten the, the clearance yet to talk about them. But we got some big announcements and big opportunities going to be on this show. We cannot wait, and we appreciate you tuning in. You can always join us on Twitter at D3 Hoopsville. You can join us on Facebook at Twitter or at slash Hoopsville. We're also on YouTube. Look for us there. Um, you can email us at d3sports.com. You can also get a hold of me otherwise in other f- capacities. Thank you all for being on the show. Thanks for bearing with me as we did take that break for my father. He was a big supporter of this show. Um, I lost my computer thanks to an accident here at the house uh, in November and was trying to figure out how to pay for it. He insisted that I get one. It was small things like that that he did that helped this show. He made some huge donations when we were doing donation drives on well, my mother as well, but I uh, really appreciate it. He ended up being a pretty good student athlete, a soccer player, and a track and field star. At Division Three, well, it wasn't Division Three at the time. It was Wesleyan. I, I, I should, I should be clear on that. Um, and um, I'm gonna miss him. And he was a big, big supporter of this show. Big supporter of Division Three. He loved the student athletes, as Joe talked about it. Thanks to everybody for their support. We will see you on Thursday. Thanks to the NABC, the WBCA, and all of you. Have a good night, everybody.